You have been way, way loud, way loud. Oh, one second. How's that? Even, even more down. How's that? Uh, go, go, go half, and let's work up. All right. How's this? Say checky check 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 one two check, one check, two check 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 there 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 we go ah, no checky check 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 you got to do that <laughs> otherwise checky check 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 maybe it's just me go down another ten percent all right how's that that's good enough for the girls we date so <laughs> yeah dude I'm just I don't know I, I'm just getting tired of reading about how they're tracking us on this and they've then I'm reading about how Facebook wants to get our bank information. Mm-hmm. I'm like ready to pull my money out of freaking Chase and put it in the local community bank because I'm I'm just I, I don't know like they're they're asking Chase for my financial information. How do, does my opinion not matter? Well, I it it I'm sure they're not getting the financial information. Maybe like your 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 demographics. No, getting, no, 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 no. They're getting your specific financial information, your bank statements, like your monthly bank statement and your really? credit. Yeah, dude, you got you got to look it up. It's crazy, and they were they would use um, the the messenger app. So I basically just deleted the messenger app on my um, on my phone on immediately phone. after. Yeah, I I never had the Facebook app to begin with, and which is good because I found out that the Facebook app, if you use it in conjunction with your the messenger app, it right. was uploading all of your phone calls, every phone call and text that you sent on your phone, messenger was um, collecting it and putting it. Uh, like giving it to Facebook. Yeah, you know what? I'm just deleting Facebook. <clears throat> yeah, dude, I, I'm 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 on the verge. Like, I'm basically um, we're not. Re- oh, are we recording right we're now? Recording. Yeah, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just um, I'm kind of going. I've always had ludite tendencies uh, when it comes to technology, where I'm always afraid of just. Uh, I always like watching other people kind of be the front line experimental guinea pig, but. Mm. I I just remember being off of social media for a while and remembering about for the last uh, while and how I guess what would be the word to describe it? The, the lack of just stress. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know what the problem is? I was reading a book on, on this and it's the idea that we're suddenly because of the internet, we're supposed to care about everyone everywhere all the time. And we're constantly having this shoved in our faces and all that stuff. And it makes it really, really hard to focus on. I mean, you can do it. You just got to do a lot of work, but you have to filter out everything so that the only information you're getting has to do with your community. Uh, where where I, I don't really want to focus on stuff that's outside of my own community. I think that we really need to start. Uh, like, I think it would be good for people to begin to filter out information and news that really isn't relevant to them. And there's a couple of national examples is a little too, uh, I'd say, touchy for something that I want to deal with on a on a live stream. But just stuff where these these things are going on and everybody is is arguing over it. And I'm just thinking this occurred thousands of miles away. It didn't involve anyone I know. I have no control over it, and so I just don't see the point in arguing about it. I'm too, and I'm also just busy working on other stuff in my own life. Yeah, even <clears throat> I'm pretty on top of it. You know, I I. Uh... Like I'll occasionally delete Facebook from my phone and I'll only regulate or relegate myself to going on the computer. But then I always get sucked back in because it is pretty part and parcel of, of my job. But I don't know if Facebook and Twitter just upped it, but I, I guarantee I, be, I don't guarantee I have been 
getting a ton more friend requests, a ton more followers, and they can't all be real. And I don't know if they've turned it up to 11 or 12. I'm getting a ton more notifications about stuff that, okay, tangentially, yes, theoretically I care about, but I don't have the time for it. And it's getting such a, it's getting to be such a distraction. It's like that right. stalker girl that keeps calling you and calling you and calling you. It's like, lady, fuck off. I, and so, um, and also without even realizing it, you, you are being pulled in a bunch of different directions on things that you can't really do. Even if it's not a big pull, you know, well, I don't really worry about that. It's still on a subconscious level as a brain seller to pay a bit of attention to it. And it's, it's just draining. Yeah. Uh, even the social stuff, it's training. And so I, I've been um, kind of eschewing it. And now you said that about Facebook tracking my finances. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm, you're not on my phone. And it, I guess for me, the other part of it is it's almost like a matrix unto itself because the way you interact with people in real life and the way that you interact with them online are not the same. You don't talk to people in real life the way that you would talk to them in person. I remember having conversations recently with people where the the tone and the stuff that they said, you would never say to somebody, particularly uh, one man to another, you would never say that to another man's face. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought, this is not real conversation and it just, everything feels artificial. And so I feel like unplugging from all that, and also I think social media gives us a false perception of reality because we're only we're not getting a, a accurate sampling of what people are actually thinking. We're just seeing what, whatever that is. I think that these, these methods of communicating have their uses. That's how I found you and, and uh, other guys, including the guys on this um, live stream so that it does have a use. It's just, I think that we, there need, I don't know. I, I, my hope is that I, I, it's funny that there was that meme that had talked about Tom from MySpace and how he didn't track us and just, it almost makes you nostalgic for MySpace because MySpace, there wasn't this Orwellian uh, incestuous relationship with the United States government going on with MySpace. It was, uh, you know, my, so it's almost it's like almost we, a very uh, elaborate discussion board. Yeah, there was I mean, there was that's what you almost need. You need to um, confine the discussions to different boards or topics or something like that. But I think also. It, a part of it is just the flaw of being online. You're not, I don't like the way that the conversations go because you're talking to people that you don't know. You don't know if they're being sincere. You don't know if they're troll. People can't troll in real life because mm-hmm. you can call out, there's all these different ways of reading people. I don't know. I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of reasons for me to want to just get off social media um, one way or the other. And I'm not really interested. I also think that these media, I think that a lot of these social media companies are not long for this world. That's just my gut feeling. It's, I'm wondering if people aren't getting <clears throat> sick of it. I know, demographically speaking, younger people do not use Facebook. They just had, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, they had to lower uh, estimates for their revenues down or revenue growth down uh, because the young people are just aren't doing it. But even as a somewhat prime demographic, you know, age for, for Facebook, even a professional user of it. Um, it's getting tiring. It's the, whatever novelty it, it, and not only is it getting tiring is the novelty gone, but any use I get out of it from a professional standpoint and sending things out and using as a press release platform, I, it, 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 it no, I don't, I don't want to deal with it anymore. It, it's not even worth that. 
So it's almost kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do 15 minutes a night on Facebook and Twitter. That's it. Then I'm turning it off. I'm never going on it again. And I don't care what my friends are doing. That's the other thing. My gosh, take away the politics was depressing enough. All my friends, like, I mean, do you guys have jobs? I quote, don't have a real job. And I post less on Facebook than you guys with real jobs at offices do. I mean, like, what, what are you guys doing that you're, Oh, this is why I had for lunch today, and it's like we didn't even make it. <laughs> well, you're you're reminding me of a, a girl I was friends with, I grew up with, and when Facebook first came out, she got on it. Um, she was a mother of five kids, so I don't know how she had the time, but she used to literally post like what she made people for breakfast, what she was going to watch. What I mean, I was like, my God, she was so plugged into it. Um, that wore off after a year or two, thank God, because I was nearly blocking her. <laughs> but I was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was like really TM, but it was like really frivolous stuff, you know, like what you had for dinner, who cares that you had Cheerios this morning. Um, but I was wondering, I don't know if TJ wants to speak to this. Um, maybe he's too young, but do you think that social media has contributed to how even people behave offline as far as the political echo chamber is now? I think it has. I think what it's done is it's create. I, I speak from experience because this was just me personally. The you you look at online and a lot of the stuff, and you get this perception that this is the way the world is. But then you get offline, and I think when people finally actually talk to one another, they th- there's that love. It's easy to care. Um, what do you say? Demonize people online because they're not flesh and blood they're just some abstract concept and so i think that that's the reason for the radicalization so much on social media is because you can uh, build up a lot of hate for someone without ever actually meeting them or knowing what they look like like you don't there's no face there's no person um and and i wrote an essay about this a long time ago on my website about how it's almost like we kind of like not from not sure how many people are familiar with the whole story of doubting Thomas in the Bible, but he was one of the Jesus's disciples who refused to believe he had risen from the dead until he had literally touched him. So this idea that you have to physically see something to believe it. And I think that's the way that people interact online where they don't really believe that the person they're interacting with is real. And that's why they behave differently online in terms of politics. Teacher, I was going to, I was asking, do you think that that spills over at all? to their I real think, life and like do you know, I think, do you know what i'm uh, trying to say yeah i know you're yeah i and i think that that's the the thing is that people don't really know anymore oh, well for us maybe because we remember a time when the internet wasn't like we we still can remember that i think that there's this is i think why the millennial generation term is not accurate there's a huge rift between those who grew up and remember before the internet and after the internet uh, where their entire life has been based around online presence. So they don't, I think that for the younger generation, yes, maybe for the older one, um, maybe not so much. It hasn't affected me in terms of the way I view people, but I'm also not, I'm an outlier. I'm not. Uh, I'll testify to that. <laughs> we, mean that. What do you mean? we mean that a good way, I think. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, I, no, I just said you're an outlier. I'll agree with that. But in a good, <laughs> to the right, to the right of the mean, not to the left. Right. Well, that's my thought. If, if anybody else wants to. No, I, I was I would I mean, there's, I guess there's really no way to 
quantifiably prove it. I was just, I guess it's right. just purely anecdotal. I don't know how you would study that, but I am, I mean, I, I guess because you, you can't, there's no way to have a control group, right? Because well, <laughs> there, there was a, an article came out, oh, three, four months ago where a psychologist did a study <clears throat> and once smartphones hit all these various types of, you know, quasi-mental disorders and outright mental disorders jumped for that generation and younger. Um, so I think you can, looking at different age cohorts, determine the effect of social media. Uh, I, I, I wish I remember the name of the article, but it was well, very well documented, and the, the charts and the data were just scary. And you could see it. I mean, you you could see that they don't go out. No one really goes out. No one really socializes if they're younger. Um, I, 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 I don't loathe or detest. I'm thankful we have this technology. But as you guys all know, DT, how many times do I invite you out to go hang out like a month? A month? Yeah, a month. Well, that's not using social media. But yeah, you, you, uh, like you invite in me person? out. Pro- I would say probably t- at least twice a month. At least twice a month, right? Because yeah. I want to meet people. And TJ, I drove out to see. I didn't like. Well, screw it. I'm in Seattle. I want to, uh, John. You know, I wanted to meet up with you, but you like to keep your privacy. Um, you know, I, that's that's just us. And I think anyone who grew up with their childhood before a cell phone and even before social media. But these kids, I remember one fan, like hugest fan online, when I met her in person, wouldn't say anything. She was almost shaking. She was so. Uh, such a social introvert uh, that yeah, maybe she was a statistical oddity, uh, but you just, most of the people I do meet are of course a little bit older in my age, but there is definitely, in my opinion, uh, it does spill over uh, into wor- real world behavior. What's scary is if that's always been your real world behavior where you don't go out and you play, you don't play sports. What was it? What I think in that article, they were also talking about like how a third of high school seniors have never been on a date. Yeah, yeah. Is it really that high? They're a third. That's yeah. Uh, let me look it up. Wow, a third. It was a scary article. Now I don't know. Again, I'm I'm an outlier on that one, so I I couldn't really comment, and I haven't really chatted with anybody. Like I know I've met numerous millennials and uh, Generation Z kids who have. That they fall into that category. But what's interesting is I'm not sure if that's a result of social media or just the progression of the hookup culture, where you get to the point where a date is just a waste of time. And it, it, it's all the, the formality thing is no longer needed. I don't so know they, if I believed in that hookup culture. This also talks about the remember the other article where millennials have been having sex the least amount of time since like the 1920s. All right. Hang on. Maybe it's under that one. Right. That. That's another. <laughs> well, I think there's a real schism now with, and this harkens back to an older brother podcast we did months ago about how <clears throat> a lot of women have, you know, the, the, we could, I don't know if you guys want to talk about that whole Tinder trap nonsense that happened not so long ago. Not but, really. <laughs> but, well, I mean, it's, it's, an, my point is it's an example of how women get their, how do I say it? They get fed all their, Validation yeah. and, and, and male interest through social media, you know, the Instagram and the their Twitter and, you know, they're all posting all their, you know, the self. I mean, you don't, how many straight guys are taking selfies? You know, I mean, it, it's, hmm. uh, it's a unique, I mean, someone should do the, um, 
statistical analysis on that the, by gender um, and not the non-binary shit I'm talking. Um, but I think that is a uniquely a, a unique thing where females just have this online persona and that satiates their need for socialization where men, it doesn't work the same way for them. So that's why you got this huge incel community now. Could could we also make the counterpoint to that, or not counterpoint, but the opposite side of the same coin, is girls get their attention fix over the internet, men get their sexual fix over the, the yeah. text or the sex or the or or the porns or so you have like this digital relationship that isn't real. I mean, it's, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Surrogates with Bruce Willis. Oh, I think I did. Yeah, I, I saw. Yes, I did see that. Watch that movie again now, because it's scary how accurate it, it predicts today. And I don't think it set out to predict today. But basically, the plot of surrogates is is nobody goes outside. You have a surrogate, fully automated robot that goes out and interacts with other robots that are controlled by other people in the quote real world. And this provide safety and there's no crime and it's this dystopian future and there's no disease because nobody's interacting or anything uh anymore kind of kind of like um what was the sly stallone one demolition man yeah oh yeah <laughs> it, it's kind of like that where it's like hey we're, we're not you know be well and no one shakes hands and what have sex like in the olden day oh like with physical <laughs> touching and and this is kind of the same thing where um, I think Bruce Willis, he he's the hero of the show, obviously, because he's Bruce God Almighty Willis. And uh, he says, I'm done with this. And he gets out into the real world and um, he starts, like, he the sun throws him off. He, he gets dizzy because <laughs> no one's been outside. They send a cop team after him, not to arrest him, but, sir, are you sure you want to do this? Let's escort you here, make sure you're all right. And um, I think he turns off the whole code in the end, not to ruin the movie, but yeah, these people would interact. You could upgrade your robot and all the robots look great and they look exactly like you. And you're just well, like, like the perfect you, you know, like the, it's the perfect you. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, uh, but that was, that's essentially what they're doing now, except minus the robot. It's just, you know, digital imagery and, and, um, Skype and the face chats or whatever else they got out there. Mm-hmm. But I would, um, I would say that it's, they're poor substitutes and they're not, they're actually making people less happy. Like that link I just sent you um, earlier today about the fact that what it does is it creates this perpetual state of uh, like, it it creates perpetual discontent. There's, they always feel like they got to get more and more and more. They got to get more of a fix. Uh, But also, yeah, think about how different before the internet, if a girl wanted attention, she got it at her high school and that was about it. Um, she's not going to be able only a few girls if you wanted to be on camera you had to go to hollywood or because if you were doing a home recording or whatever uh, that was for family uh people were you know it's not going to go outside the house it's a vhs there's vhs's back then that's about it public um, access uh, television yeah. if you guys remember that <laughs> yeah, i remember that yeah. and so and the point is um that there was a there was a cap on the amount of attention she would get um from from boys and for boys there was also just uh, limitations as well so what we're seeing is the hyper extra fringe on both sides but what it's it's not doing is it's not providing what what they actually want which is i think um 
companionship and neither one of those are providing it so they're doing that but it's it's making them miserable um, there's I, w- I wouldn't doubt that there well, I wouldn't doubt I'm absolutely convinced there's a biological component because that's how we've acted the past two million years and just the past 10 years which is I don't know one ten thousandth one one hundred thousandth <laughs> the past or one twenty two hundred thousandth percent of human existence um, this new technology has been dropped on us uh, and then consciously okay yeah it might be easier to go online and get attention or go look at some nudie chicks or whatever but if you don't have physical touch you know i mean heck even babies who don't get touched by their mothers die you got to be held um and i that's the study of the uh, romanian uh kids in the orphanage where they all died this is under ceausescu they all died because they didn't i mean they were fed and changed and everything but they didn't experience any physical affection yeah, and I, it's only only to some social science scientist uh, madman or madwoman would they say, "Oh no, there's you know the people that say gender is a social con." Only those people would say that there's no costs and consequences in the biophysiological realm, uh, and mental realm, I'd say, uh, for having a pure or a disproportionately online life. We had digital romantic, social, political, whatever. I mean, heck, uh, think about not to use myself as a guinea pig, but I have a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself out there and be ashamed if that's what's necessary. <clears throat> How sad and pathetic do you think my social life is that I'm asking DT to hang <laughs> out? How bad <laughs> do you think it is? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, of course, I'm joking, but... And that, and that I say no a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm into Hunter Bunker. You get turned down. You get, I get turned down, yeah. <laughs> i like, hey, John, you got a sword I can borrow? I'll commit Harry Carey. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, on a more serious note, there certainly is. And TJ, you must have, I'd imagine, some kind of uh, cabin fever being you can you can write from wherever you are right you get the hike but inevitably you I, i'd imagine you like i got i gotta get down to wenatchee i gotta go somewhere else or, or talk to a human being right yeah yeah and there's there's different ways that i've been changing it up i think the biggest problem for me has been the fact that i work not not where where i live but the fact that i work online and so i don't have people that i'm in a physical room with where we're working on the same project or whatever, whenever I interact with people, it's usually either I'm a customer or the it's somewhere else, but we're not working on something together. I think that that's the biggest problem for me is, is the um, lack of uh, a, a group project of some kind that builds um, uh, relationships. Cause I think uh, collective experience is what really builds um, relationships and friendships and all that. So um, definitely trying to do more of that, uh, but it would be a lot easier if I was doing a, a more orthodox job. Yeah, you you do. You know, a warning to the younger brothers and sisters out there: you do have to be careful what you wish for, because I know being the digital nomad or the remote telecommuter is kind of the holy grail of I wouldn't say even modern day technology, but to be self-employed and be able to do it from a laptop and go anywhere and answer to no one and blah, blah, blah. Yes, it absolutely beats a cube prison any day. Absolutely. But we've been down this road, uh, this rabbit hole far enough uh, that there is some psychological drawbacks. And soon you're just like, yeah, you need to talk to people. And it can't, 
I, I don't think it can be done. You'll get like a, not a, not even a fix, but a temporary band-aid. Like, ah, oh, you'll go to your local bar, you go to a local restaurant, or you maybe run into your, your, um, your, your neighbors or whatever. But there's some to be said in the olden days, hunting with the, the, the hunters going down after mammoth. That wasn't a 15 minute chat. That was like <laughs> days long plotting and processing and camping in the military. You know, like, Hey, let's go do a military exercise. So how long do you think it'll take yeah, an hour? I, oh, okay. That's enough to keep the Russians at bay. Uh, <laughs> you've been, you've been conditioned to spend at least a day, eight hours per day with your team. I, I think you need to, uh, Consider that before you go off on the digital nomad pl- uh, world, because it, it may say, although who knows, maybe, maybe these kids are doing great. Maybe they were brought up on a diet of zeros and ones and bits and bytes, and they, they've never known the touch of a woman or the, or the hug of a man, and they can get by without interacting with human beings. But by God, I'm, I'm scared what the, the human uh, race would evolve to. Yeah, I don't think that. I think you were right when you said that we have evolved to need that. Um, you were reminding me of something though about the working in this digital world. Um, I had a I had a business meeting one time. I was negotiating the the price for a, a, a real estate agreement for easement rights, and um, we had pretty much done all of the work involved, like through email. You know, like all the documents and everything like that had gone back and forth and all the, but I actually had to go there and, and meet. And we actually had to hammer out the final number. And, you know, so it was a meeting and I had to go down to the developer's office in downtown and everything. And it, that took literally, um, it took more time to drive there than actual, the actual meeting time was. You know, I just, we haggled back and forth for about a minute, got to a number at, and then, you know, shook hands on it. And, um, you know, it was pretty big. It was like 115,000. They wanted, I went in, they want, only wanted to give 100,000. I got 15,000 more. And the, after the meeting was done, like we agreed, the guy that was speaking with, he was a few years older. He was, well, maybe more than that. And he was in his mid fifties. And he started telling me all this stuff about, you know, he was getting married again and go, like the guy was so craving human contact, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was fascinating. You know, I mean, I was like, wow, that, you know, that, that's what it's like that, you know, when, when this meeting was supposed to be like contentious a little bit because, you know, we're asking for money and they don't, they want to give less. And, and, but, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking about back on that. I noticed that happens a lot now more than it used to. Like when we do have these you know, business related meetings when we get, when I get together with people and have to discuss business, a lot of times it will default more than I remember it used to into our personal lives. We start talking about, you know, personal stuff. And I think it's because people are not getting that anywhere. So all of a sudden, you know, right. when they do have face-to-face interactions, it's actually in a business setting of all places where you generally that's, you know, personal stuff is taboo, you know, normally. So this, has- bring, this brings up the idea that it's been put forward that, uh, and then getting back a little bit to politics here, that uh, the House and the Senate shouldn't meet personally, that they could do everything online. They could vote online. They could negotiate bills online. You know, there's no reason for Washington, D.C. anymore, right? And I, I'm sure you've heard this idea. And and listening to this conversation, it seems like that would be a really bad idea. Uh, I think sometimes we're confused at how these people that, that we're watching the news and oh i hate that guy and i like that guy but i hate that guy and then they come together and they go oh but we're really good friends and so i think that what you're getting at is is that there is there can be that contentious relationship where they're trying to negotiate but 
what makes it work is the personal stuff. And so maybe maybe we need to be real careful about about this idea that our representatives shouldn't be in the same building with each other when they're negotiating all this stuff. Yeah, it's I, funny. I, I oh, think they should play uh, baseball games between Democrats <laughs> and Republicans and nothing bad will happen. They do. They, they, they tried that and one guy shot him up. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was just the joke. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were... <laughs> You're spending so much time online there, John. You forgot humor. <laughs> that, was, that was the joke. That was the punch. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. Yeah, and that's another thing about, about jokes. Um, you know, I think TJ was talking about trolling. Like, you can't really do it in real life, but over the internet, you know, and it's just it's just a text, or well, now we, we, at least we have voice. But a lot of times, you don't know if if someone is serious or if they are serious, how serious they are. So mm-hmm. a lot of that gets lost. You know, I mean, there, you know, we do need more real human interaction. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, it's funny. Know, it's yeah. funny that you're mentioning that about people bringing up personal stuff at the workforce. I think that that's because that is the way it has always been up until recently where people worked on a farm or they worked with their family. I was just – we don't have to talk about it on this episode. I'll just mention it briefly. Um, I've been watching the first season of Duck Dynasty and what uh, – because I, I had never watched it before and it's obviously been a very popular show. And I can see why people found it so popular because it's – almost a very traditional family way of doing things where the family spends the majority of time around each other. And it's also broken up by gender. So the women are doing their thing. The men are out there either working at the warehouse or they're working, they're out, you know, blowing up beaver dams or shooting ducks or whatever. <laughs> but the, whole idea is, the whole idea is that they are spending most of their time to like the vast majority of their time around their family members and or around their kids and that stuff. So they don't have to go to some stranger and, t- and like try to, they're not starved for human conversation. And I think the reason that show was so popular is people, people were watching that and then thinking about their nine to five cubicle job where they're trying to have a conversation with some guy that they really don't like, but they just want to talk to somebody and thinking, well, you know, I wish I was living that life. So I think that that's what the problem is, is that our lives have been so atomized where our family members, we don't work with, we don't, we have to like go out of our way and really schedule a family event. But then we try to talk about stuff and it, you're just thinking, well, we don't, we don't live in the same area. We don't work at the same place. Our kids don't go to the same school where we live on different properties. We don't live in the same region. Excuses have gone up exponentially since this damn internet. I, I'm just pointing it out. I, I need my oh, I can't do that. I gotta, I'm like, dude, you drive 50 miles to potentially go on a date. Oh, geez, it's 50 miles now. Well, if it's in Seattle, 50 miles is, you know, you might as well get a plane. <laughs> I have a question about the whole Facebook thing and, and online. As I was sitting listening to you guys talk, I was thinking this, this what it seemed like you were talking about was kind of the question of questions regarding social media is, is it indicative of humanity in general, what we're seeing online, or are we seeing only the, is it sort of apex fallacy? Is it sort of, we're only seeing the bad stuff. It's the same question with, is there more crime nowadays or are we just more aware of every single crime? More, no, I've, I've and, always said the end. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And so that's, that's the question I have for you is, is do you think that social media is an accurate uh, depiction of what humanity is or are are we is it so different is it so like we've been talking about that you're that when you get together with somebody in person you treat them differently right is it, it like 
is it not indicative? Is there it, more hope? I, I guess what I'm asking is, is is there more hope or less hope? <laughs> there's less hope, for, but for other reasons. I've, I've always said the internet is a finer net that will dredge up everything. And when you look at the business model of clickbait and yellow journalism and sensationalism and no no actual journalism, right? Uh, the it's it's laughable. I've even caught Fox News and right wing outlets where <clears throat> they will skew something or spin it, and it's like you know, could you just give me the fucking news? Mm-hmm. Just give me the truth. Oh, and John brought up a perfectly good example. Do I want to talk about that veritable bitch down in what was it, New York, and and all the cucks that actually signed up for that Tinder trap? Uh, where she had him show up and compete. How, how is that news? You know, how is that news? In, in other words, uh, these people have always been there, but to get the clicks, to get the clickbait, and now that we have the internet, we have this very fine net, we could pull the ugliest creatures up from right. the bottom of the seafloor. And the question, you make a good point, do you realize that? And Not to bring them up again, I even wrote them, you know, like a, I think it was a, not a lengthy, but a, but a good letter, I wrote into Joe Sushre because here's this old man who thinks that the world is falling apart around him. And it is, but for different reasons, because he doesn't realize, like he'll read from the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail has like a kernel of truth to it, and the rest is all lies and skew and clickbait. And so if you think the Daily Mail is a legitimate source, or um, you believe everything Alex Jones says, or uh, you you get, uh, oh, I don't know, I'm just trying to think, because I don't go to these sites anymore, or you think... Uh, a CNN is 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 100% true or you read every article <laughs> like you go to the college fix although I will say there that is a legitimate that that's where you got the finger on the pulse and that's a more accurate representation where there is actual decay but uh, and this is the uh, another point I was trying to make before after a while you start to step back and realize as everybody throws up there's got to be what do you think a, a crazy article a minute written every day? Oh, easily. It's and most of the internet is rage porn. I think they just call right. it rage porn. Now it's just it's designed to make you enraged. I think that and, that is a huge problem, DT. I like you really hit on it, and it was something that I was trying to think of. The the articles are intended to. Uh, I not this word has been so overused, but is I think applicable. It is intended to trigger certain emotional responses from the reader. And the problem is, is that you can't have people being constantly, again, pardon the expression, but triggered emotionally in that way throughout the day because it leaves people stressed. And that's probably one of the reasons I've been trying to figure out why I get so stressed out when I'm done reading uh, social media stuff. And one of the reasons that I always also, because I was thinking about this and I thought, how much of this information that I receive during the day I need to know? Like, what do I literally need to know? in order to to do what I do during the day. And all this stuff is just there to remind me about that there are bad people out there. Right. <laughs> well, it's like local news broadcasts. It's like the death hour. I mean, they go over every fucking single person who died in some horribly tragic way <laughs> that day. <laughs> this person died in a car wreck. This person got shot. This person, you know, drowned. Uh, this kid drowned in a tub or this, this, this dog got left in a vehicle. Oh, that's the other thing. All the, all the animal torture crap. I mean, it, it's just like people love to share that. I think it's and- almost even it's, it's the opinion articles that are put out where it's people just, per, I mean, it, I call them professional whiners or professional complainers. They're these columnists who just come up with, I mean, it's like, it's almost you wonder how these people get through the day 
because of the things that they find to complain about. You know, we're living in a time when we could be discussing all the different ways, like we could be talking about all this, all the, like our society and technology and all that stuff in a positive way about where we're going and what we can accomplish. Instead, it's like these people are so complacent. They're so at ease with their, with, they have no worries. So they choose to complain about it instead. Well, let me, well, I was going to point out along the same line and give a, give an example of this. And I do want TJ's opinion on um on a, a real journalism question but you remember the article came out last week where some gal named awa that's the only reason i remember her she wrote for the guardian <laughs> and she wrote a multi-page article about how shock of shocks older men like younger women that was the study it's like oh men find find girls most peak physical attractiveness between the age of 18 and 20 and then she wrote about how this is a sign of toxic masculinity da 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 it's not She's not the one at fault. She's not the one I blame. She is going with the current business model. She's going for shock. I doubt she actually believes that this is news or that there's actual toxic masculinity when older men like younger women. It's the people who took the bait. Like how many podcasters would talk about, and I understand it's entertaining and stimulates your mind after a little bit, but that wasn't news. But what was it? The great one, I think Bernard Chapin. A lot of the standard guys took the bait and posted, look at this crazy woman who thinks right. it's it's evil for men to be. It's like, no, if you stop paying attention and linking and forwarding and mocking and ridiculing, these people will go away. But then right. I look at whatever Twitter feed, Facebook, of my own guys. You know, these are the conservatives. I, I ferret out to make sure my followers and all that are pretty legitimate. There's not a lot of fake ones in there these are the non-leftist ones who still get outraged all the time where i'm like guys now, don't fall for it i'm i'm gonna defend because i okay full disclosure i talked about it on my podcast oh there we go oh, give, give me the reason that i because i've been doing this on on numerous podcast episodes where i've been there is a continuity and i'm putting different pieces together here's the problem i'm not offended or outraged by what she's saying what i'm seeing is the rationalization the the moral case being made for a environment in which men dating younger women is not illegal but it could get you fired or it could get you in huge trouble it could for what like and you guys are thinking to yourself well what would that look like i don't know what it looks like but when she's when she's using that language that she has, and then you had that another article that a uh, woman wrote where she accused men who are being celibate of being selfish. And then you have, and you put that together with the angst among older women. I can see where this is going. Where it's going is men who are seen in public dating, clearly dating younger women are at, at risk of being physically attacked. And they can't defend themselves because if they if the same thing with Antifa and all these other things, if you if you defend yourselves, you get arrested. But if they physically attack you, they get a slap on the wrist. That's well, where I'm seeing this. This is where I'm seeing it going. I'm not outraged by what she had to say and and all that stuff. And I didn't link to the article. I'm just pointing out that that when they say this stuff, they are helping softening up the population and the society and culture to what's what will inevitably follow and if, but if people... what ep- what episode was that you did because i remember this now and you did make a very good point you you point you painted a picture that it was kind of onion-esque you couldn't tell if that was fa- true or false but you could definitely see it happening yeah you get caught let me let me pose it to everybody here please do it was good 
Yeah. You walk into your, your, um, your office, you walk into your, your workplace and you get called into the HR department and they sit down with you and say, uh, we've been uh, notified that we're receiving a boycott by some feminist group that is accusing um, us of, of hiring hateful bigots. You have clearly, you're dating apparently a younger woman who does not meet the half age plus seven rule. They consider that to be, um, they don't believe that she can consent to the relationship because that it's outside the rule. So, you know, we just can't have this in our office. We can't have this controversy and this bad image. So we're gonna have to let you go or something like that. Or they may not even say anything, but I'm just pointing out, um, we, we live in a society right now where you can do perfectly legal things and still get fired for it. So when you have that situation, anything is open to being fired over. And you say, well, personal relationships, you couldn't possibly fire somebody for that. Well, we can fire people for attending like attending a, a, a legal rally mm-hmm. with a permit. You can get fired for the like, political donation. Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you like Brandon. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that was the big one where, and you're not even talking about just the peons in the corporate thing. You're talking about CEOs. Uh, what was the name of the guy that Brandon Ike? Brandon Mozilla. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he that and that mind you is for an initiative that won. That so so my point is my point is with this is that when I see her using the term girl to describe legally uh, legal adult women, I'm seeing where this is going because then they're going to say they're and you know when they say like for well, I mean you see the same thing with the whole definition of consent. It is only on one side. Wasn't they, uh, a, not not to interrupt, but this is even more close. And <laughs> wasn't there that. Uh, there was a special election for a house seat and some guy down in the South right, wanted to right. run. And he was, he was found to have been dating a girl when he was 31 and she was 16 or something like that. And it was the 40 the, years ago. Yeah. 40 years ago. But that was the, that was legal at that state or Roy that. Moore. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and, but I'm seeing it as, okay, that's the extreme. Now here's the thing we got to keep in mind. It always starts out with the extreme cases and then they start, bring it at mainstream so let's say you're a 35 year old and you're dating a 23 year old according to the half age plus seven rule that doesn't fit and so you can see how older women in you know their late 20s particularly their mid to early 30s wait till they get to the 40s there tj i yeah. can't wait you think you think no, no, no. Ah, they came down no <laughs> but i'm saying i'm saying again this goes back to my whole thing if there is some sort of panic in the market where these women feel like there are not enough men and it's a game of musical chairs and they see men that they want to marry dating younger women that that's where that's what is going to be in their mind when these online mobs get whipped up against companies they'll post negative reviews saying that they hire predatory men who prey on young women i mean you can see where it's this is not hard to put together once you understand the rationalization process that occurs because they'll just change the definition of consent again to being if you're over a certain age, they, she cannot consent, even if she's an adult. They'll they will change the definition to fit whatever they want it to be. And that, again, this may not happen. This may not happen at all, and it may not look at all like that. But it's it would be foolish for us not to be concerned about that. And that's why I looked at that article and thought it was worth um, well, I think- observing. I think what you've what we've been saying is that similar things have happened. They've already happened. 
And so I'm sitting here listening to this and, and linking it back to your social media um, discussion and just what do you do? What what does an individual do about this risk? Is it just completely uh, getting offline completely, not having a social media presence at all? So at least people don't know what you're doing, Don't can't look right. up your personal life. I mean, is that the only way to combat this? Because it is happening today. I mean, there are there are cases where people get fired for things they say on social media. And so maybe, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm kind of plugged into the, to the Alex Jones getting banned and other people getting banned and people getting shadow banned. I'm sure, I'm sure Aaron is shadow banned. And I've been wondering what my stats would look like. Yes. I'm wondering. And, and and even my Facebook, uh, um, you know, responses to things that I post are, are way, way down. So, it's I and it's all this ramp up to this mid midterm election here. I think they are trying to stifle the voices of the right at, in one kind of last ditch effort to get control back. And I mean, do we? I think you were talking earlier that Media Matters is plugged into um, you know looking at your finances through Facebook or linking right. your Facebook account to your finances. Do we just really need to push? people to basically say fuck you uh 50 of us are leaving you guys aren't you're not going to make money off of us anymore and and of course the cynical cynical side of me uh goes well our side just doesn't do that i mean we we try to tell people the right thing to do all the time and they don't so but but i think it's still an important question and an important answer on what an individual if they are interested in protecting themselves should they just get off of social media entirely yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, can I speak to that? Go ahead. Um, I just want to say that uh, I, for the most part, have, you know, unplugged a lot, you know, but you can, like, for example, I use Twitter not so much to post about my life. I, you almost, like, if you follow my Twitter feed, I almost never say anything, even remotely personal about myself. But what I use Twitter for is, you know, and I follow less than 100 people on Twitter. I think it's like 80 maybe. And I just use it as a way of uh, keeping up with the news, you know, real news, actual things that are happening, not just, you know, op-ed, opinion editorial. So, you know, for me, and I keep my personal life and my online persona as, what's the word? Um, anonymous? As anonymous or separate as, you know, within reason, okay? I mean, it's not, it's not like I'm, you know, literally engaged in a criminal enterprise that I have to keep you know, secret, but I, I do value my privacy for that reason. Cause why give ammo? Because I have a political bent that is not uh, socially acceptable, especially where I live, it's, you know, really, especially where I live. So I'm like, well, why make my life harder? You know, what advantage is there for me to reveal personal details about myself in, in an open environment? I don't, don't, I don't see any upside to it. So I don't, right. and if you're not, if you're not making your money on the internet, yeah, there's no real reason to. Um, I can see where Stefan Molnu has to go public, or uh, I have to go public, or Roosh would have to go public, <clears throat> or even if you have an an, an, uh, an alias where you would be concerned about being uh, deplatformed or whatever else. But if you're just, uh, you know, regular old Joe Schmo and you got your office job or you work down at the state, I, I especially by the time you're one, you're our age. Hey, it's been fun. We I remember the Facebook days or the Facebook days. I, if I had the choice, I would not have any social media. I have a flip phone. 
I'd say, if you want to get in contact with me, you call me or email me. And right. I, I would probably not allow cell, uh, smartphones or cell phones while being out in social activities. Like there's no, no smartphones where we're here right now. Yeah, right. I th think that um, one of the things, and I'm only speaking from my own personal experience. I don't know what it's like for other people. But I remember when people were first getting online and, like, for example, MySpace and where there was social interaction, there was no fear whatsoever that anything you said was going to get you in trouble anywhere unless you were doing something saying something that was really completely out of line or, then, or posting like pedophilia or some shit yeah, like that yeah you would get reported by my you know myspace would banner or whatever but the, the point is is that um there was no fear uh, about what you were doing was going to get in trouble now we're at the point where it's become at least for me it's become obvious that social media is is just they're they are cops who suspect you of committing a crime. So the more you interact, the more you talk, the more you say stuff, you're just giving something. And more importantly, what you say today, it's impossible to know what, whether what you're saying is okay because the what's considered okay is constantly changing. So people are getting in trouble for stuff. And heck, people are getting in trouble for what their parents said. There was that one guy, I think a NASCAR driver, who lost a sponsorship because of what his dad said 30 years ago before he was even born. Yeah. So, you, Dude, I get yelled at. Do you want to know I got yelled at for the other day? What? Okay, so like, apparently my ancestors 500 years ago were just kicking ass all over the place. I don't even remember <laughs> these people. And apparently I'm to blame for the wage gaps between every race and every sex. Could you imagine that? <laughs> yeah and so i'm thinking of actually just uh if possible going back to using a flip phone uh without any kind of um with no apps none of the track and stuff and really just not interacting online and telling people if you want to get a hold of me you know you, you can call me or text me and all that if that and i think that there's going once enough ordinary people have been harmed because of stuff online on posting online and we're talking not even controversial stuff where it's just you know some kid posted he was wearing a mega hat uh at his house for thanksgiving and somebody reports him to his school and he gets expelled or or suspended or something like that and or gets beat up in the lunchroom yeah gets beat up i mean these social media companies are really because what they've done is they've turned their users the, the their customer sorry their product which is the users they are scaring away or they're going to scare away they're not doing a very good job of because they're they're tracking them and controlling them and all that other stuff. Um, but I have to say, DT, I think I share your cynicism. I think that most people will stay, no matter what, because yeah. I think that that's how how starved people are for human interaction, where they where they feel like they have to go online. And so I'm just seeing the the problem ahead and trying to take action. And the other thing is. Uh, with the whole banking thing, it's just like it's just amazing that they can openly talk about this stuff uh, without even talking to. How about the users? Like, or sorry, the, the people who who have the bank accounts? They're not even asking us. I mean, is is Chase even going to? Were they even going to let us know before they were going to share information on that kind of stuff? Or these other banks? That's why I'm just. I was telling uh, Aaron at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, you know, I just there's a total lack of trust in these institutions. Um, and so any you just don't well, can, I, can i just say that the financial you know everybody has their own little thing that really bothers them that they're being invaded anything that where my finances are made public or semi-public that really really that's really crossing the line with me right 
Right. Oh, it's amazing what these these sites that that collect people's personal information, um, and yeah, you, you know, you got to go out and, and unopt. They're gonna get sued. Well, yeah, at some like point. Spokio and all those guys. Yeah. Well, they're gonna get. I, I'm convinced they're gonna get sued at some point if it can be shown that some like stalker who ends up murdering somebody used their use that information, like use their site to obtain the information necessary. Because they don't. They, I mean, some of these places will post phone numbers, but they'll post addresses with a photo of the house um there and so i, well, I don't google know has that if they've got the address they've got a picture of the house i mean yeah, google maps right right and right. a hail 556 caliber bullets awaits you if you huh. come to casa de clary <laughs> <laughs> right i i don't know i think that there there could be a reformatting of social media i think that we could be seeing right now a a fake prosperity or just a bubble Kind of like what we saw with the, the um, dot com bubble in the late nineties. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, in two thousand when it crashed. I just, I mean, you saw Facebook lose one hundred seventy billion dollars in a day in in value, and so you're thinking that represents a correction in how much they're actually worth. So I'm, I'm just wondering, what are these? What happens when these companies just go bankrupt? Well, that some of them are profitable, but a lot of them aren't. Twitter's not profitable. YouTube as a division isn't profitable. Uh, Facebook, if they keep throwing money at censors, and I was I was sitting there thinking about Google, YouTube in general, but Google in general, they won't drop a fucking penny to hire a customer support staff to answer a phone, but they will spend probably hundreds of millions. I'm wondering if it's closer to a billion on censors and auditors and people to look over videos. And you, you really well, look at it. Was, huh. was that, sorry, no, on this vein, Aaron, was that you? I was, it was either you or, or Forney. I was talking to about this where uh, they've, was it YouTube or Facebook? I'm sorry, I forget which. Probably Facebook because Forney, well, uh, he didn't break it, but he brought it into our little sphere. Well, yeah, like uh, literally a third of their workforce now was going to be dedicated to, well, censorship. Right. Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah. It was two thirds, yeah. actually. <laughs> It was, we we talked about that article, Clary. You 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 read it to us, and you know, right. do the math. But, but, but can you call up Facebook and get a customer service person? <laughs> no, you can't. So what, where do the loyalties lie? Look, I totally and I I like the idea of like, no, you can't call me. You can't get a person on the phone because it's expensive. It's it's slow. Here is community guidelines. Here is resources. You, you can do self-help online, solve your own damn problems. But then when you just start randomly almost, uh, and maybe not so randomly, but you just start deleting channels, demonetizing shit, and people have like a legitimate concern because your algorithm didn't do it, or you had a particularly uh, biased political person with a political agenda delete your channel or d- uh, delete a video – there's no human to call, but you'll spend money on that shit that is completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Just let everybody post it. Everybody and just, hey, do you want to advertise on Google and YouTube? Well, guess what? You know what? Some of the stuff is not going to be good. And and that's it. You save so much more money, your profits go up. But they want to spend the money on that. They right. want to spend the money on censors and auditors and 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 editors. Right. And this is why I'm like for my podcast, I do it through SoundCloud and I trust them because I'm actually the customer. I paid I paid them money so that they will store my podcast on their site and people can download it through them. And I also know that they're not spending all their time with censors because they're not trying to keep they need to keep me happy. They Facebook does not need to keep me happy. Twitter does not need to keep me happy. 
Google and YouTube do not need to keep me happy because I'm not the customer because I'm not right. paying them. And I think that that's what's really going to have to happen. Is Although, people, people not to just, interrupt you, but you do know uh, SoundCloud was all social justice worry until they started running out of money. Well, right. But the, the point is that their customers, like, for example, we leave Facebook. That doesn't necessarily hit them the same way that because we're not the customer, we're the product. And so there has to be enough of us leaving. Whereas if SoundCloud starts pulling this crap, people will just say, OK, well, if, for example, they, they kick if they kick me off, that means they don't get my money anymore. So that hits them directly. Whereas if Facebook starts kicking people off. That doesn't hit their advertising. Well, maybe it did. That's why they lost hundreds of people. I think you're saying it's like a delayed reaction. It's not yeah. a direct. Yeah. Well, I, I think someone, and I'm not going to take credit for this because it was someone else who wrote this article where they were talking about how Facebook and you know Google through YouTube, they are hurting themselves without realizing it because when you kowtow to the SJWs, the thing about the S the psychology of these people is they're never satisfied, right? right? So first they'll say, you know, you have to get rid of this extreme, you know, whatever they define extreme as. Okay. Then you get rid of that. Then, you, you know, then you get, and then it's eventually it's going to get to the point where you're getting, you're deleting someone's channel because he quote unquote misgendered someone. He called them a, a he when they were non-binary or the, so th there, there's never there's never an end to it, you know. It'll it just it keeps going on that they'll constantly try to find something wrong with what you said. So you know they're going to say, well, you can't have this guy's channel up anymore because he's only had white males on his channel, you know, for three years. So obviously that's that's bad. So you got to get rid of him. So right. it, it'll never end. So there, once you start giving into them a little bit, you know, it's all inch they take a mile getting anyway. There is hope in the form of the NFL where they they let that kneeling bullshit uh, get out of hand. And now they're going to try female cheerleaders. Male cheerleaders. Finally, thank what, God. What football do you watch? <laughs> Canadian League. I'm watching the Justin Trudeau League. Uh, no, but the, at that, that somewhere, here's this – you know, quasi all powerful organization in its respective field, and even they had to kowtow. You look at Star Wars, uh, you know, oh, they can't God. they can't shove vagina in your face, the Ghostbusters, uh, Oceans Eight, um and and now heads start to roll. Uh people don't show up anymore. You've destroyed a, a, a what used to be a perennial billion dollar franchise. Uh so the you know, and Disney's God Almighty, powerful, but they, they will listen. They and they'll they'll try and do that. Well, you're not you're racist or sexist if you don't watch this thing or do that. And and people just say like, you know what? Fuck you even more. I'm not going to. So there is there is some hope, and I think we'll see it in our lifetimes where even the Almighty Google and YouTube uh, will say, oh wait, I get it, the freedom of speech. Oh, I see what we were <laughs> well, doing. They may be forced. They may be forced because here's what. Um, so having worked in journalism, I've worked at newspapers and, and all that stuff, and we have to deal with libel and defamation of character and all that stuff. So we are liable for whatever is published in our, when I was working at a newspaper, we were reliable for whatever was published in the newspaper. So if somebody wrote a letter to the editor that contained libel, we got sued, not the person we got sued for publishing it. So that also meant that we got to decide what we were going to run in our newspaper. We were we were a content uh, we were not a content provider. We were a you know whatever. Um, the problem with Google 
and Facebook and all these other social media giants is that they are trying to have it both ways. They are they want it so that they can censor based on political content, yet they want to be immune from um, liability for what's published on their sites. And so Trump was tweeting about this, or I don't I don't think he directly said it, but he's been talking about it on on Twitter. And all Congress would have to do is strip them of their liability, their their protection, their immunity from libel. And so they, they are liable for what's published. That would completely destroy their business model overnight. They right. would then have to either they would well, it wouldn't destroy their business model overnight. What it would do is it would force them to make a choice. Are you going to continue doing the social justice warrior censorship thing, shadow banning, or are you going to um you know go with what you're doing now and destroy the companies? And so it, right now they're they're getting to play it both ways, and I think that that's not going to continue for very much longer, um, unless you know thing unless they back on their back down on their own, which they it seems like they might, um, but we'll have to see. Well, do you guys want a little bit of good news and not sad, depressing stuff that we always go over? <laughs> sure. We got some uh, a fan mail for the show for specifically for the show. I have fan mail for me because I'm awesome. But we got one that actually mentions <laughs> actually mentions you, Han Yakers. Do you want to hear it? Us rubes, sure. Yeah, this is this is the first fan mail for the older brother podcast. Ah, that's from Peter. Peter writes, "Hey, I just wanted to send a quick message to let you know I'm really enjoying the new older brother podcast. It's probably my favorite podcast right now, and I listen to a ton of podcasts. You've got a great g- group of guests." Great topics and great discussions. Every episode is very entertaining. The podcast downloads just in time for leg day at the gym and makes that considerably more bearable every week. Keep up the good work, Peter. So that's awfully nice. We got that. We saved that. One more rep, Peter. One more rep. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. One more squat. Come on. Go. Is he doing cardio or is he doing lifts with his legs? He says leg day. So he's he's doing... He's he's doing uh you know ha- working the hammies and working the quads and working. <laughs> okay, the abs. okay, hang on, hang on. I explain this to. I explain. If you go run or hike, do you need to have leg day? I was talking about uh, with Michael Kingswood. He's like, yeah, I'm about to set a new squat record. I'm like, for what? So you can take a shit in the woods. What do you need to take squats for? I mean, I can see women doing it, but what do guys have to do? If you're have running you, or hiking, do you need to do it? Have you seen guys that only work upper body? <laughs> it's not a good idea you got to work the lower body too well either okay. that or you don't do you don't go crazy with the upper body but yeah that's what happens with a lot of guys they end up getting chicken legs right uh, <laughs> all right i just i maybe it's just me and i was born well, with perfect physique and i've never noticed it here's my philosophy running you're expending calories just by running lifting and 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 you know building your muscle getting your muscle mass larger, you expend calories while you're sleeping that way. So yeah. I'm going to choose the, the, the gaining muscle mass, tearing, tearing up the muscles to build them back up to burn calories rather than, you know, punishing my joints while running. I think there's something to like the, the workout thing, the cardio thing. I know like in my twenties I needed cardio to do it. Like just, I mean, it sounds really weird, but I would notice my psychological health would be fucked up if I didn't, you know, I got to the point where I needed to run, you know, if I didn't have my 30 miles a week in, I was weird, you know, I, hmm. I, I needed that, you know, so I, I, maybe that was just me. I, I don't, I don't know. No, it's not just, I need to, I need to run. I, a buddy of mine who's in spectacular shape, 
he was telling me, well, you can't run six miles every other day. You'll never build up the upper body mass. And so I switched. I did a little bit more golfing. I only ran three miles or I do the occasional hike. Um, but once I got back to Flatlander, Minnesota, and there's no hiking, uh, yeah, you all of a sudden get down and you need to get that, I'd say, four to six uh, mile run in, to feel, or at least I did. But, yeah, you're not the only one that, that, that has that. Yeah, I, just so I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, but I do know there are guys, you know, at the gym, and, and they, I don't think they do any car, well, maybe very little, but uh, it, it's very different from what it what used to be like in my 20s where everybody used to mix it up a lot. Now I see the guys pretty much just fucking doing the weights, man. Well, I, I just do weight. Well, I walk to and from the gym, so I guess a little cardio there. And then when I'm doing the weights – I don't sit there and fucking cool down between sets. I just keep going. And so you, you keep your heart rate up and you, you're basically getting your, you're not getting as good a cardio, but you're, you're getting a little bit. So no, I'm not knocking it. Like, I, I don't know what the thing is. I think, you know, to some degree, we're all going to be different, you know? Right. I, mean, I can be the asshole at the gym that I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I take that long break between sets and <laughs> the motherfuckers are all waiting there. I'm like, yeah, motherfuckers, you got to wait. You don't want this fucking gym membership cost? Fuck you. Um, I'm on my social media in between sets. <laughs> hey, 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 nothing wrong with that. That's how I get a lot of work done, man. That's a lot of work gets done at that gym. Yeah. Can you imagine Aaron, like the literal, the literally admitted asshole at the gym? He totally wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I'm doing my work out here and at the same time i'm multitasking i don't yeah. care how long and, you I, and on top of it i'm skinny little fuck that y'all hate that's the other <laughs> thing like, okay uh, all right uh you guys want another uh, fan mail but it's only for me oh. yeah. <laughs> okay sure. Sure. of course who doesn't want right right uh if i had not found your channel while collecting as much information as possible on the internet about the program he spells it with the me so he's from uh, out of the united states mm-hmm. I wanted to enroll, and even though my gut feeling told me not to embark on a shitty-ass finance and accounting program at a low-level shitty college, I would have enrolled anyway and condemned myself to crippling student debts just because I logically thought that all those stupid graphs and bullshit classes are necessary to become good at accounting. And then I accidentally clicked on your video in which you made fun of those stupid economics books written by, quote, professors, and then I contacted you. Uh, That very moment, this guy had, uh, we're still on the first sentence. That very moment saved me four precious years from my life. Period. There we go. Thanks to your advice, I am on the right path at 29 and have very good career prospects just because I realized that there is no other way around. If you want to succeed, you must do something that other people willingly pay for. So I lowered my standards, and now I work and major in nursing. I don't know if you lowered your standards. You probably boosted it there. Nursing's tough. Yeah, you know, I, I got to say something. I, I, I think you, all you guys know about this, but I was in the hospital for like four days. My, my leg's broken. I was, you know, it, I was admitted to the pediatric ward. Fucking nurses were aces, man. Holy Christ. They did everything. It, it took me like I saw my doctor for a total of 15, not even 15 minutes. I got about 15 minutes FaceTime in four days with my doctor. <laughs> And, and this is someone who's actually admitted to the hot. I'm not talking about the ER thing when I first went in and that, you know, there's a, I mean, I'm talking about like when I was actually, I was admitted to the hospital. I got, I got 15 minutes with the fucking guy. Yeah. Hey, well, what well, you got just a bunch of broken legs or how bad yeah. was it? Well, I had like a, no, I had all sorts of, it was a pediatric surgeon, not, not just a doc. I mean, I a fractured tibia in my right leg, a torn 
LCL in my left and a right. third degree sprained ankle in my right. Yeah, I know I was, I was in mess and, oh. um, but, and yeah, and all that fucked up shit and 15 minutes. No, he, and don't get me wrong. My doctor was a good and a busy man. I mean, he literally, I remember him, uh, actually, he didn't stop in, but in between bedside visits to look at his, uh, his social media and take a breather. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, he, was, he was a really good guy. I mean, and then after, you know, I saw him for follow after I got out of the hospital, I saw him for follow up. You know, he was a really great guy, really nice guy. And, and Ace is a, you know, brilliant uh, uh, surgeon. But I'm, I'm just saying that my, my point about nursing, these fucking people work hard, they're smart. Um, to, to, uh, and there's also, and I know a little bit about, uh, uh, I dated a chick that was in her, she actually got a master's and, and people, uh, guys watch. And there was actually one of the, uh, one of the nurses, two of the nurses were men. And, um, it's, well, first off, I would say about nursing, um, to, to get like the real nursing degree. Cause there's like levels of this. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, uh, it's not easy work. You have to take science classes you know there's no you can't take uh you can't use your electives in social justice if you want to get a nursing degree especially if you like you go into um uh, anesthesia field yes yeah like there's anesthesia you you get your your four-year nurse because there's like a two-year nursing degree there's a four-year then you get your master's where you can go into like uh an uh, anesthesia uh, an anesthetist uh you can go into things like geriatric nursing which you can make huge money in now if you get a master's in geriatric nursing because of the aging population so that's so i think we should talk about things like that occasionally about what are the growing professions where there's money and that's one if you want to spend the time um uh, to, to actually do the training, something like that. You, you, and you don't have to go to some fucking Ivy league school or whatever. You can go to a state school and because you're learning real science and because there are real exams and boards, you have to pass the curriculum has to be the same. It's not like fuck around school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that, you know, maybe Aaron, you maybe want to do a show about real careers but you know i well but i do all the time i mean it's i there's asshole consulting i mean just go to my other youtube channel you'll find i mean shoot i have this lexicon of work now and i've talked about nursing many times and uh some people ask about yeah say a a specialist like an anesthesiologist or uh, a lot of people go into nurse practitioner school uh, become a nurse practitioner. Uh, a physician's assistant is another one. Yeah, PA, uh, physician's assistant. Yeah, yeah. And so those are all, you don't have quite the commitment of becoming a doctor, but you have near the income earning potential. And, um, wouldn't, it, and wouldn't it get around? Uh, affirmative action would work in your favor if you're a guy nurse, right? It's like a guy no, elementary school no. teacher. There's no guy elementary school teachers. How if, many, if, many dude, if that would, if look, if they really, if there was affirmative action or they wanted to have representation, they would have been heavily lobbying to get men to show up in elementary school or nursing. Programs. Oh, no, no. That, what I mean is it's not going to hurt you. You're not, if you go into nursing as a guy, I don't think you're going to have to worry about a woman being hired above you for affirmative action. I see. She might be a better nurse, right? Right. But you're not going to have to, well, she's not qualified as I am. You're not going to run into that because there just aren't as many guys in nursing. There aren't as many guys in elementary education. I'm sure there's some other fields. I'll I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Uh, You want a pretty good shot, find yourself a quality woman. Uh, or just getting a lot of dates. Uh, I would go into nursing school. Nursing, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't go into elementary ed because... The the dumbest majors are in element. I'm not kidding. Look it up. Look up majors by IQ. The dumbest is early childhood or elementary education. 
And so if well, really, why would um is there a reason as to why they would be attracted to that profession? What teachers? No, what, if you're stupid, if you're no, 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 teacher, like it, why would low IQ people be attracted to that? Of all the professions there are, why? My would they my my um my opinion is that they're actually not that dumb; they're just lazy. But you can't tell that when you take an IQ test. And lazy people will go towards easier subjects, and then when you put a test in front of them, they're not going to do as well. So there, it's my opinion there could very well be some very intelligent people who are elementary education. They have the raw capacity for intelligence. They're just lazy and they don't want to do it. That's basically what it boils down to. Okay. No, I, was just, I was just curious as to why that, that, then, that would you, be the Then one. you talk to some elementary school teachers and some public school teachers like, wow, you are really fucking dumb. You are uh, actually quite <laughs> stupid. Well, no, because I would think like, you know, the real morons would get a degree in, I don't know, sociology or something. I, I don't know, whatever. But it, I don't I don't know. I I believe uh, IQ is a little bit um, elastic, uh, but I don't discern between whether you, you tried really, really, you weren't that smart, but you tried really, really, really hard and you got a really good SAT score, a really, really high IQ, uh, or someone who's just, it's like, what is your effective IQ? What, did you, what, what are you willing to work at? What's your work ethic? How much effort are you willing to put in? Because you can gap, I'd say, a good 20 points of an IQ if you got a good work ethic. But if you don't have a good work ethic, well, yeah, public sector's for you. Go sit on your ass and fucking it, you know, teach little Johnny at five years old his ABCs. Woo, and tell me, it's hard being a teacher. It's just so hard. I'm like, ah, shut the fuck up. So, the hey, teaching um, itself isn't hard. I think what teachers run into today, and I've talked to a lot of them, is, is um, they can't discipline kids anymore. So all the shitty parents you know, drop their shitty kids off at the shitty school and the teacher is is almost forced to be shitty because he or she can't do anything about it well yeah they're daycare workers basically yeah yeah i mean you, I, you guys knew i was a substitute teacher for like about a year and a half yeah you were a teacher school? i was a substitute <laughs> teacher yeah and i taught college economics i've kind of got the whole and i did every grade and all that and uh yeah, I, I can see – I do feel some pity for the plight of teachers because administration and politics and the state and state mandates and federal mandates really tie their hands behind their back. Because if you were allowed to just grab some of these kids, bring them into a closet, beat the shit out of them <laughs> – no, I'm being deadly serious. You, oh, do, them a world of good. you do them a world of good. And then like, oh, what happened, Johnny? Did you fall down the stairs? A little bit of the mafia, like if you had a mafioso enforcer. <laughs> at the school. That used to be the vice principal. The vice principal used to scare the piss out of you. Yeah, the dean. So, so, dean. Um, dean. Yeah. You know, Cappy, you're, you're talking about this whole situation in schools. It's true. And uh, I've talked to a lot of people in uh, over the years in my profession, off the record, of course. And the situations where between where the, you have school administrators trying to uh, basically deal with kids who are behaving in way I'm not going to go into a lot of the problems, but when they call on the parents, the parents are almost just, why, why are you taking up my time to deal with this? Right. You know, it's your job to raise them. And the, the school administrator just kind of just looks at them as like, no, you're the parent. This is your job. Now at the same time, I'm not terribly shocked at the fact that a lot of these parents are saying you're, you know, the school administrator, you're supposed to raise them because really anytime the school doesn't like the way the parents raising the child, right. they get to call child protective services. Right. And I know <laughs> numerous cases where a parent been called in and the, and the teacher, the administrator said, you know, here's all these things we noticed. You will put them on these drugs or we're going to call CPS. Right. So, so 
So it's a win-win. It's like the communists fighting the Nazis. Why the hell should I? I well, I'm just recommending my clients don't go into that battle. But the problem is innocent. I, I think what you have is you have people who go into the teaching profession. I understand your feelings on that. But I think a lot of them go in because they have that very idealistic, romantic view of they're going to, you know, help some kid who's going, you know, to help some kid go become something. That's what they get into. Yeah, I, I think that's true about teachers. I think that the majority yeah. of them, regardless of how they end up after they've yeah. been in that meat grinder for 10 years, but I do think when they, they do go into that with this idealistic uh, viewpoint, and, and that is something that we, you know, I, I'm all for that people do have some faith in humanity, I guess. Unlike, you know, Cappy who doesn't give a shit about anything. But anyway, <laughs> Ouch. I, I, I love, man. Uh, 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 Brendan uh, Lucero, uh, $2 super chat. He says, what about dental hygienists? Um, uh, <laughs> hang on. Let me, let me, let me do the, let me do the management here. Do we have uh, do we have long list in the chat room? We haven't tended to that. What's, is that a mess? Do we, do we have to go back a ways to find some super chats? No, that, that's, that's the only super chats. Is oh, you fucking bastards. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> There's a lot of, well, it was my fault for letting it go that long without answering the poor guy. Brendan, uh, Brendan I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't want to, I have this Cappy has told me I interrupt people too much, so I didn't want to interrupt with that. But um, yeah, so well, before we diverge, all right. Well, let's let's interrupt this stuff now. Uh, everybody, like the video. <laughs> like the video. We're not ending the show, by the way. I know everyone starts dropping off when I go through this managerial bullshit. We're not ending the show because I have something related to schools, and it's not going to make anybody happy. So let's postpone the sadness till later. Um, so uh, fifty-four people now should all like the video. If you want to do this sh- super chats, please do. Uh, what was it, Derek? Who was it? Uh, Brendan. Brendan. And you want to know, uh, dental hygienist is good. Um, it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's, two, you know, that's actually two years of school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like post, high, you know, uh, on a collegiate level of school, two years for that. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're teaching him for two years, but, you know. It's, it's how to clean teeth and, you know, how not to kill the patient with gas and uh, how to basically. <laughs> <laughs> and, do you know yeah. the? Do you know the, what the old reason to become a dental hygienist was, or dental assistant was? Well, it's to marry the dentist. The marry the dentist. So I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys remember this. In TJ, you might be too young. It might be like flight attendants for us. They, they tell us that flight attendants once were sows, cows, and and grandmas. Uh, but apparently, flight attendants were very hot. But I remember the '80s and the '90s, man. And you go in and you'd kind of be like happy to see the dental hygienist or the dental assistant because it was always some drop dead gorgeous babe, uh, always. Yeah, yeah you're in this real state of heightened anxiety because you're going to see a fucking dentist. So it's not, you know, your favorite favorite place to be, you know, like that. You know that sound of the dental drill that just, you know, oh. to the heebie-jeebies? So you I know, got, so- I got two. I, oh, sorry, go ahead, John. No, 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 continue. So um, I actually went to a university that was the only dental had the only dental like full full dental school in the in the state so everybody who wanted to become a dental hygienist went to this school and yes there were some absolutely dropped it gorgeous girls that and it, it was almost like this weird phenomenon and maybe it was just the year that uh, that i was there but what's funny is uh, you were just mentioning the like the whole probing to, like the, the way they drill into your mouth and just you feel like you're part of some World War II experiment right yeah people with the, <laughs> have you ever seen the movie marathon man <laughs> yeah is it safe is it safe? Well, no. Yes, so, so it's, it's very crazy. safe. Crazy. So I go into uh, the dentist for uh, checkup. It's a brand first time I'm in this um, this new office because I'm in a new town. And I go in, and um, as I'm about to, they're doing the cleaning, or whatever. Um, the dental hygienist pulls over this little TV screen in front of my face and goes, "What movie do you want to watch?" 
and oh no shit really yeah and so i got to watch this this like i think i was watching lawless or whatever um and you know the cleaning wasn't painful at all they actually do a pretty some some of them can be absolutely uh like they're just you know almost not masochists, but the people who enjoy inflicting pain on other people with the with the clean. Yeah, that's a, that's a masochist. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, oh, no, no, say this, just, say this, brother. Say yeah, this. yeah, yeah. It, so it's just crazy. Like I remember when I was a kid, you, you just like, okay, do I have a cavity that they get to go drill through? But now I go and it's like, oh, I get to watch a movie. Like they, these kids today, they're so spoiled. No wonder they're so ungrateful. They get to watch movies while they're going to the dentist. They get to watch movies when they're going on family vacations in the back of the car instead of having to you know, daydream or come up with reasons not to punch your brother because he's sitting too close to you. Yeah, well, do you have, remember the absolute ass candy they'd hand to you, the sugar-free candy? <laughs> it was just sugar-free. It's like, go oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> fuck you. Don't even... You get the you get the dental assistant with the big chick the tits and I get this sugarless lollipop. You're like, no. <laughs> yeah, they would have... What the fuck was... And that's before they even had, like, the uh, saccharin or... I don't know what the fuck was in it. Yeah. Artificial sweeteners. Yeah, some sort of weird artificial sweetener before they had real artificial sweetener or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, but it's true, though, because uh, you guys remember this. As, well, I don't know, TJ, you're young, but uh, Cappy, you remember when you were a kid, you had to go to the dentist. It was terrifying. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. I mean, they give you a little bit of gas or they give you some Novocaine. I never got gas. I never you know, got oh, gas. Oh, that's, that's uh, yeah, you need the gas or the Novocaine. I mean, uh, I, I know it would t- hurt. I had my cavity while. drilled. With, I, I've only had one cavity in my life, and it was, I went to a fucking butcher. <laughs> um, no, I'm not kidding. I mean, I didn't know this because I thought that was a normal thing to do. I went to a butcher on uh, Fordham Road. Anyone in the Bronx who knows Fordham Road um, uh, and drilled my I've only had one cavity in my entire life. Um, and this guy drilled it out without gas or Novocaine. Oh, God. And I, I was, like hell. That's probably illegal. Uh, it should have been, but I did not know any different. And my mother took me to this guy because she was. It was three ninety nine. It was three ninety nine or whatever, whatever it was. But this guy was. I mean, that is. I mean, I told that story to other people, and they go, "I don't believe you." I'm like, "No, he. It's a truth. I wouldn't make that oh. shit up. I, I just thought that's the way. And because I've only had one cavity, I didn't." You know, I, I so if that I makes had, you brush your teeth for the rest of your life, like, is that why you've only had the one? Is is that? Oh yeah, maybe. maybe. I well, floss every night. I brush every. No, night. I never, well, I never, I never floss. I know. I, I actually, I, I think they come. Did they come out and say flossing is bullshit now? Uh, um, I, oh God! All right, as a professional radio show host <laughs> and a libertarian, I'm conflicted. Letting you guys ramble on about fucking dentistry and dental <laughs> stories. Or if we can get to the fucking story I wanted to get to, which I know we're answering be a two dollar question. Huh? <laughs> we're answering he asked about, a two dollar question, he, he man. Answered, he asked about dental hygienists, and we said cute chicks, big tits, two years <laughs> worth of cure. Now I'm listening. Now I'm listening to fucking John tell me uh, back in 1978, yeah, man, and then over on Fort Ham Road, and this guy was a butcher, and I, mean, I don't know if he used this or so, that. So I'll give a, a quick my thought is. Uh, dental hygiene is one of those careers where it's, I don't really see it being affected by changes in technology or automation or, um, you know, shifts. It's a local based job. It, you can't outsource dentistry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Else. Good point. And so yeah. this is a job where you, if you get it, you, you know, who, the only thing you really have to worry about is them dumbing down the, the, um, academic standards to become a dental hygienist so they can just flood the market. I really don't see that happening because it's not really a job that a lot of people 
want to um, want to go into just for kicks and giggles. If they want to do that, they'll go get communications or political science. Okay, or- okay, okay, okay. All right, we, we all are pro dental hygienist. Yes, sure. Good. Moving on because we just <laughs> lost a third of our fucking audience. <clears throat> Allow me to finish this article in its entirety. It's not that long, but it is sad. And we are going to draw some lessons. I'm going to ask some questions and you guys will answer them. From the Washington Post, a mother says her nine-year-old came out as gay, then killed himself after schoolmates bullied him. Now, please pay attention. Nine-year-old? Nine-year-old. Nine years old. Before Jamel Miles died, he said that kids at his Colorado elementary school had told him to commit suicide, his mother said. Jamel's mother, Leah Pierce, told Fox affiliate KDVR that her nine-year-old son had told her he was gay and that when he returned to school from summer break, he wanted to come out to his peers. On Thursday, days after Jamel started the fourth grade at Joe Schumacher Elementary School, police responded to a medical incident at his Denver area home and rushed him to the hospital where he was pronounced dead, Denver police said Monday in a statement to the Washington Post. Although the circumstances surrounding Jamel's death remain unclear, police said the medical examiner ruled his death a suicide. Jamel's mother called KDVR that she believes that her son killed himself in part because he was bullied at school, and she wants to raise awareness about how damaging it could be to a child's self-esteem. I'm just sad he didn't come to me, she told the station about her son's suicide. I'm so upset that he thought that was his option. Authorities and school district officials have not confirmed that bullying was a factor in Jamel's death, but have said that the case is still under investigation. Asked whether the district was aware of any bullying, Denver Public Schools spokesman Will Jones said in an email, our priority right now is to look at all the concerns raised in this case to keep all of our students safe and to do a fair and thorough review of the facts surrounding this tragic loss. In an updated statement late Monday, Jones said, the district is deeply committed to ensuring that all members of the school, pay attention to this one, guys, all members of the school community are treated with dignity and respect regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, transgender status. He also said there are policies and procedures in place to ensure that LGBTQ students can pursue their education with dignity from policies and training to prevent and stop bullying to formal policies and guidance materials that fully respect their gender identity. Our deepest sympathies go out to the family of the student who passed away and to the entire shoemaker community, Jones added. We are very saddened by this tragic loss of one of our kids. Authorities said the case appears to be non-criminal. Pierce could not immediately be reached for comment. Jamel's mother told KDVR that her son told her that he was gay weeks before he returned to classes at Shoemaker Elementary. Pierce said he seemed scared. He was like, Mom, I'm gay, and I thought... He was playing, and I looked back at him because I was driving, and he was just curled up like this, so scared, she said, curling her hands around her chin. And I just looked at him, and I was like, I still love you. She said later he decided to tell his classmates because he was proud. A Denver mom wants to shine a light on bullying and suicide after the tragic death of her son this week after she says she found her her son killed himself in their home on Thursday. Following Jamel's death, here's another one, pay attention. Pay attention, boys. Following Jamel's death, Denver Public Schools said crisis counselors are available to help students and staff deal with their loss. Fourth and fifth grade teachers at Shoemaker are creating a space for students to share how they are feeling and to process their emotions after hearing the news, Jones, the district spokesman, said in a statement. Teachers are also letting students know about the Denver uh, Public Schools crisis team members on hand to meet their social-emotional needs. All involved professionals are aware of the potential effects the news of Jamel's death may have 
on the overall well-being of the shoemaker students and staff. Okay. Now, gentlemen, if you can, very quickly, and everybody else in the listening audience, go to my blog, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. I'm going to give you guys a minute to do this. You will see a couple links. Uh, one is the actual link to Pierce. That would be the mother's interview with KDVR. I want you to go ahead and look at that. I know this is unconventional. It might take a little bit of time. But yeah, please, you got to give me a second there, Chief. Give you guys a second. Should be scrolled down under the uh, sub-article called The Father Could Not Be Reached for Comment. That is below the Older Brother podcast and how worthless degrees ruin lives. It's the third post down on my blog, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Go ahead and just, you don't have to play audio. Just look at the video of the mother. That's two articles down, guys. And there's an ad for the video. Of course there is. <laughs> Let me know when you when you guys have seen the mother. Where the fuck is the picture of the bitch? Uh, Just let her play. Should be up. Okay, yeah. The mother says her nine-year-old son came out as gay. Then where's the picture of the mother? She looks like the Admiral from Star Wars, Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, the, the, well, I like the title, The Father Could Not Be Reached for Comment. The first thing I just want to say about this, because, yeah. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Just, we got to wait. There's rhyme and reason. There's an organization to this. DJ, have you seen the picture of the mother yet? Yes. Okay. John, have you seen the mother? <sighs> no, I don't see her in the in the article. Where the fuck is the picture? Not, of it's, in, it's in the video. It's in the I video. Think. There's two links in the article. One is this altar of alternative genders that don't exist for nine-year-olds and absent fathers. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, The yeah, second yeah, one, okay. happy because yeah. of all the attention. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the ad to finish. But, yeah. Well, it would make sense, John. You are the oldest of us, this technology stuff. Would yeah, yeah, no, yeah. My VCR is still still blinking 12 o'clock. Uh, oh, my God. I see her now. Jeez. There you go. You see why? Okay. Now, gentlemen, <clears throat> I want to know, uh, Jamel, let me get the kid's name because we should. it's not this poor kid's fault. I want to make sure I get his. Uh, Jamel Miles. Okay. I want to know. Who is responsible for Jamel's Miles' death? And there are four guilty culprits. Well, one of the problems is we don't, the police are still investigating and they didn't say how he was found dead. And I'm just really, I feel like more information, just from looking at the, the facts, I would say that more information is going to come out that's going to make, that's going to change the narrative. Okay. And all right. All right. Good. Good point. Let us, let us assume this kid actually killed himself. And that's where I'm going. I would not be surprised if it turned out the mother killed the kid. No, it was but, ruled. It was, but the medical examiner, you said, ruled it a suicide. So, right. So, legally, just, legally speaking, we're going to go with that. Right. Okay. So, let's just operate from that premise. There are four guilty, I will, I'll give you another hint. Four guilty entities, not necessarily people. There are four guilty entities that caused this poor kid's death. I can only think of three. I'm curious who your fourth is, but keep going. Oh, go ahead. What well, name one there, John? Well, <clears throat> I would say obviously the mother. Uh, okay. Two, the uh, uh, the absentee father. 
That's doesn't two for exist. two. All right. And and uh, a third is the you said entity. What mm-hmm. I would say is this culture of embracing, you know, uh, making it in vogue to be gay when you're nine years old. You don't know what the fuck gay is. Right. Think back to when you were nine. Now, that's yeah. that's as far as I go with that. I don't know what your fourth is. What is what is the the institution that probably heavily propagandized the poor kid about this? Well, it's the media itself. For sure. I mean, the reason why you're seeing this story is because... What were we talking about? My most hated group of majors. The teachers? The public school. How much you want to bet they couldn't wait to tell these kids about the 48 flavors of gender when these kids are prepubescent. How much you want to bet that if we went and we looked through the photocopies or the hard drives and we looked at everything that came home in a backpack with these kids, how much you want to bet at the age of seven, maybe eight, certainly by nine, they got some propaganda that says, hey, did you know you could be a sapiosexual, pansexual, bi-gender, non-conforming queer? Yeah, I think the sex ed starts at about nine. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. we got to keep in mind, imagine if, let's just show or, or contextualize how insane this story is. If I had a nine-year-old son and he was showing uh, like basic, I'm not sure how he would put it, but expressing in some, like in words, not in actions, but just saying that he wanted to go, like he was interested in girls at age nine. Um, like in some ways, I don't know, maybe I just don't remember that age, but there, there's a certain point when guy, like the opposite genders are not particularly interested in each other or like romance and love and all that stuff. Either, Maybe younger, I don't know, but just it, the the idea that he would even be thinking about this shows that it was clearly put into his head. Yeah, like you get a gold he was, star. He was nine. TJ gets a gold star. He gets a gold star to put on his fourth grade little gold star. <laughs> I just remember, like the idea. It's like if a nine year old came up and said, "I'm a libertarian." he's like daddy i just want to say that i have chosen the austrian school of economics <laughs> like and, and you know ludwig von mises is my favorite economist like imagine he went over to his teacher and said that the teacher's assumption isn't going to be oh he totally came up with that because he was predisposed to liking the austrian school of economics and clearly he's been a, he can he can choose at this age what what political view you know uh, he he gets to be a Rothbardian anarcho capitalist, and we're going to respect that. No, they'd be like, "What <laughs> propaganda is your dad putting in your head?" Let's call CPS. You know, let's yeah, have your, your father's a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, we're going to recreate Ruby Ridge right here now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but yeah, the, the whole thing is this kid. First of all, um, another thing that I would say is when he when he said this to his mom, um, everybody just assumes that he meant what we all think. I'm thinking, what did he think? He didn't know what he was. I can almost guarantee you this kid, and this is where I say all of these entities, there were like several fail-safes. Now, two are propagandists, and purposely, they achieved their goal with this poor kid. This is genuine child abuse. The schools and the lefts with their fucking boat. Now, and you guys know me. I'm pro-gay, pro-bi, whatever the hell you want to be as long as you're not hurting anybody. But when you're talking about a kid who's nine years old, who, when I was nine, I want to know, well, do I want chocolate ice cream or can I play on the on the merry-go-round? Uh, and I want to put a frog in, in Susie Jones' desk. All right. Uh, the, the, the entity, the establishments achieve their goals. But where the two fail-safes were, 
were with the mother and the father. Father absent, completely absent. Mother, if you looked at her, I don't know how many of you people in the listening audience looked at her. She is looks like an old fat social justice warrior. Nose piercing, dyed red hair, obese, purple, <laughs> purple whatever. And if you watch the video, what's worse is the mother, It's to me anyway, again, I hate humanity. It's painfully obvious she was getting off on the attention. She didn't cry until yeah. the very end. If you watch it, she's just like, oh, my God, you know, and this and that's why I want to da, da, da. I'm like, you do not sound like someone who just lost her son. Well, Cabby, that's why I'm a little suspicious about the circumstances, yeah. because not only is it unusual for a nine-year-old to be thinking about this stuff, it's unusual. Like, do do nine-year-olds even understand the concept of death and su- like the, who put that into his head? The media did. I mean, this well, is the, they've they, proven. I mean, I'm thinking. I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I'm just saying the the I I would. On this case, I would want to wait until the police are done investigating because, um, I mean, look at what happened with just to throw an example that one girl who um, enticed or, or basically goaded her um, boyfriend. boyfriend who had, yeah. And, but th- what happened when he, after he was done? And mind you, this is a girl who was in contact with him up until the point he killed himself. And what did she do as soon as it was over? She played the victim. Well, this gal played a victim very poor. And you're right, TJ. It could be 100% right. All I'm, my point, point is that could we see this happening again in the future? Well, yes, and we will. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, it's that's, because, and it's because the establishment political forces, the foremost arm of which would be the public schools, is pushing this propaganda and this agenda on little children. And then – Whereas you would have a counterbalance, you would have, in theory, a nuclear family with two loving parents. Here, you do not have that. Here, you have a broken home. You have a deadbeat father. You have a a slut whore of a single mother who is obviously not functional, not not, uh, uh, responsible or mature. And so more and more of these kids, I think, are going to go down this way. Now, not only that, I'm not saying every kid's going to end up committing suicide, but will we agree that with... The established school and educational system pushing it and the parents not saying, hey, something's wrong with my nine-year-old if he thinks he's gay and he wants to come out in the second week of school coming up where you have failure with the cry. It was a cry for attention. It it could could have been. It could have been. But do we all agree that this forcing a non-binary sexual agenda – on kids who are prepubescent is at least going to confuse some of them and cause them irreparable harm and damage. Maybe not suicide, but a great amount of confusion as they do hit puberty, as they grow up. Some people are claiming to be bi or gay because they want to be fashionable. Boys are wearing makeup. Again, I'm a libertarian. Do whatever the hell you want. But do we agree that this agenda combined with failed parenting is going to cause arguably millions of young boys and girls to suffer later as they grow older. Of course. Yeah. You answer your own question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm not answering for you. I'm answering it for the Google and the YouTube censors. I'm answering this for (laughs) liberals who claim. So anyone who wants to say, Oh, Aaron's just coming out about gays and, and tried uh, bisexual. When I have established, I have a very clear track record. I don't care what your sexuality is. You can do whatever you want. But I do want to point out, assuming that this kid did commit suicide, that this is the result of leftist politics and leftist politics manifesting itself also in the way of breaking up the nuclear family. 
And this is only the tip of the iceberg if you start to consider all the confusion and pain and agony that you're going to confuse these poor kids about about their sexuality when they actually do hit puberty and it's like well geez you know like i think i like girls but maybe i don't what i get all the social attention and immediate gratification in a public school system and and i get like an extra gold uh, badge uh, when i go to college if i come out as pansexual well, shoot i'm gonna do that because of all the attention and they ruin their lives in the process and I how think- the left doesn't give one fucking shit about what they do to these people. Well, Cappy, you're talking about how you're addressing this question to the YouTube censors. I'm, and I would say you're talking to, you're addressing it to the people who are pushing this stuff. I mean, this is the stuff that they believe is normal. Right, but, but I want to point out, this cost a life now. Right, and let's not beat around the bush or even be dis, uh, uh, tactful about this. Anybody who is not only comfortable, but proactively interested in talking about this stuff with young children automatic suspect it, without question like so you're saying you're saying they don't even okay no, so you're saying my my I'm, I'm almost being too idealistic thinking that the censors and leftists and people out there i'm, I'm not going trying to, to be i'm not trying to be like i don't want to venture into you know alex jones where there's lizard men even though uh mark zuckerberg does look like an alien um <laughs> let's just get that out there but i'm just saying you know you're looking at what's going on with the catholic church right now where the pope himself is being uh implicated you're saying they want to add a p to the lgbt well that's pretty (laughs) obvious but i would also add i think the level of this stuff going on you have it going on in in hollywood you have this stuff going on within uh the lavender whatever they call it the lavender mafia you have all these people doing this stuff and so I think that it's the problem is much worse than than we would even imagine. And so I'm just I don't know. I, my I don't, my my is, uh, my defense. He, he said he came back from camp, right? I mean, who the hell knows what happened at that camp? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think that the problem and Cappy, I think we chatted about this when you were over at my place. I think the problem is much much worse than we really realize and all and the, the the cost like the harm that the the guilt and the all that's the horrible stuff that the aftermath is being shifted over onto people who it is socially and culturally acceptable to hate because okay so you, you're saying i am even being too overly optimistic where i think okay they're google sensors they may be to the left they don't know what they're doing hey now look here's the death of an innocent child you're saying that a high percentage of them or a disgustingly unacceptable percentage of them damn well know what they're doing and they don't care because there's a demand for pedophilia yes. or young, confused people. Yes. No, I, it, I, it, it's not, it's, it, they, they have an agenda. I think this is, and this is the challenge I have with uh, libertarians in general, including yourself, Aaron. That's why I, I don't generally, I don't like libertarians. Like and if we were in close proximity, I would, <laughs> I, would, I would beat the living shit out of you uh, because libertarians, basically they have no sense of tribe. They believe like, Oh yeah, whatever you want to do, it's fine. Like not understanding that the basic, uh, basic concept of human interaction where no man is an island if you exist in society everything that you do affects those around you so as soon as you have this idea of like you know being a libertarian you can do whatever you want no fuck that asshole you behave that way society's got to come down on you like a fucking hammer and say no you don't do that shit if you do that stuff you have to leave the tribe you have to go out in the wilderness and be eaten by a lion you know, yeah. we, uh, I, it's funny, John, you mentioned that because I've been part of the libertarian 
I want to say part of the movement, but I've described myself, but I'm kind of not, I don't want to say I'm abandoning the philosophy, but I'm just moving away from it. And I'm actually going to talk about a podcast uh, soon. So, but it was interesting because those are some of the things that's coming up is we, we live in a society where one person says, let's live and let live. The other one says, let's let me live and you die. Well, you can't live in a society with where there's not that reciprocity but going back to the whole kid thing yes this is absolutely grooming these kids because think about it if this if this nine-year-old hadn't died and they he'd cut him out and all that stuff how appropriate like what i'm i'm trying not to go down too bad of a hypothetical go go down it no i mean you might as well i'm curious because i this is more dark than i would have thought i thought it was just dumb naive leftists so then a an adult man who also describes himself this way says oh i'll spend time with him and so that way he'll get to be he'll he'll get to be secure in himself and we're going to go spend time together and anybody who opposes this is homophobic or is um, anti-binary God. or yeah, whatever, or whatever. Right. but basically because think about it they're going to frame this as an act of bullying as a result of homophobia so anybody who criticizes this stuff is uh you know is susceptible to causing suicide so they're that's going to squash a lot of talk by the kids but also what's going to squash talk about is when you see inappropriate um like you you see all these red flags going on and you, they don't want to say anything, or but at the very least, then the kids. First of all, the kids don't even know what's. In, they, they don't. They're not taught any boundaries. They're not taught about anything that's appropriate. So they are not able to determine what is appropriate and was not appropriate with with adults. Well, hence and, that's the problem with libertarianism is because there are no boundaries. Ultimately, you're saying like, you know, Aaron says, well, I don't care if you're non-binary, and I was, I'm like. Why don't you care? I mean, that's oh, no. I'm not talking. I'm not talking to kids. People who think like this, the people who think like that, are not going to respect our rights. So the idea that like they there there are people who cannot coexist peacefully with people who think like someone else. If you believe things that are mutually incompatible, you cannot coexist peacefully in the same society. You need to go form. You need to go live. You can't live in proximity to one another. This is what this is basically what we learned from the Thirty Years' War after several million people died in the 1600s. Uh, the European nations realized that they should stop telling each other how to practice religion. You go do your thing and we're going to go do our thing, but we shouldn't all have to agree on the exact same thing. And we completely threw that the lessons of that war out the window. Right. Now, let me just be clear here. I'm not saying there should be no, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, my point is there should definitely be a don't do this and don't do that when it comes to kids. Right. As an adult, I don't care what you do. Uh, well, you may not care, but my point is, is that it doesn't stop at children. When people, once we start to have a society in which you have like, well, anything goes, well, the society just declines. Now, that's fine if, if, you, if you're just going to argue, well, that's just the way society goes. But as long as you understand the cause and effect, that when you have a society where everybody can just be a libertine and do whatever, you know, a libertarian and do whatever the fuck they right, want. Or hedonist or with no yeah, regard. For, you're right. gonna no, do, I, you you I destroy society. So basically, uh, libertarians are basically just saying, well, I don't give a fuck. So, you know, well, don't so don't well. confuse me. Remember, I'm old. Uh, don't confuse me with these people who believe in things like I'm a libertarian socialist or I'm an anarchist capitalist. Well, I, I mean, think, you I get what John's pointing out is that libertarianism is not it sows this, like the way it's interpreted, in my opinion, is it sows the seeds for its own destruction because libertarians give aid and comfort to people who want to shut them up and then impose self restraints like, oh, I can't tell other people what to do, but those people aren't bound by those same rules. It's like having 
you know, you're in a war and you're not willing to use firearms because you feel like they're, you know, morally, you know, you're not allowed to do that. But the other side believes that they can. You're going to lose the war. They're, you're you're not going to be able to impose your views. And so it, it puts them in a perpetual state of powerlessness. And I think that, frankly, I think that a lot of people who are attracted to the idea, the philosophy like that, they like having no power because then they get to be, they get to engage in this like situation where they create the most ideologically pure hypothetical situation that is as utopian as communism. Um, well, and, I think you know, okay, that's, that's where, that's where I think you guys are confusing me. I'm not some libertarian who is on some discussion forum all day and, uh, you know, masturbating to the finer points. I, I do believe <laughs> in killing and defending and, and all that other stuff. I don't believe in a 100% anything goes. I do believe in, you know, speed limits and stuff like that. But we're not, we won't bore us with the details between Clary libertarianism and. 23-year-old recently converted from socialism to libertarianism with a dopey professor or something like that. Uh, well, it's, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I... How could I put it? I didn't want to pick on you. It's just No, that- no, no. I just, it made it sound like, oh, Aaron's up for any... He's for... An- well, well, no, it's, it's, it's was funny. anarchy. It's not anarchy that I'm for. Anybody that doesn't draw the line at kids needs to be killed. I mean, right. that's... And I'm, I would consider my philosophy... <laughs> kind of nihilism libertarian and but if you can't draw the line at kids you're a piece of shit and you need to die <laughs> right i mean yeah it's, it's not robotic point. to the point you follow rules and laws with no ability to discern or judge i, I really think that as far as political philosophy and all that other stuff since we're on the topic it really has to come out it come down to what what the result or the product of that what you're advocating and if it doesn't uh, pan out then it needs to be scrapped and you do so it's more it's less about being about the ideology more about just what results are you trying to get and if if what you're advocating for in theory should work but the result is you're you're creating a society that you know let's say you're advocating for something that in theory should produce a very productive uh socially adjusted society but in practice it's creating a uh degenerate society that's collapsing then uh, you know i've well, really that's that's socialism, though, right? Like, it's like in theory, it sounds really pretty, right? Well, but it, it ultimately, it's, it's, it's the same thing with a lot of libertarian. Uh, I guess the way it's applied, where people go, "Oh, well, in a libertarian society, it would do this." Well, guess what, guys? We don't live in one. Right. We live right. in a we live in a highly uh, controlled, regulated, uh, uh, modern state, and so your arguments that take place in a hypothetical are completely irrelevant. And a lot of these guys don't want to have that discussion. They don't want to have the context. Because it, it, they, they don't – it's almost like these people don't seem to understand the nuances of human relations. They love, they love dealing with abstracts. Yep. Here's, yep. here's the – the, you, you know, I would say almost conspiracy theories uh, because they go into la-la land. Uh, and to show you an example of where you know, I'm, I'm not this impractical libertarian, I believe we should have open borders all the way. Totally, man. Like we, I'm kidding. Just fine. <laughs> I was gonna say what the. Well, yeah, no, that, 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 that would have been a hijacked all right, conversation. All right, all right. This is how Aaron mutes everybody. You're gonna be muted. <laughs> You're gonna be muted. Now the owner of the show will talk. Uh, that's a perfect example where I would draw the line is open borders. I know a lot of the 22 year olds who just got a pube yesterday like to believe in open borders. Uh, and uh, or if but they don't have the contingent like yeah but we better get rid of the uh, of the of the state or I'm sorry the welfare state 
but yeah, I'm not, I'm not some crazy guy that uh, is going to be like, oh no, we, we can't have that. You guys can unmute yourself now. I'm trying to unmute you guys. All right, John, there you go, TJ. John, you there? <laughs> John, unmute okay. yourself. <laughs> I was going to say that, um, yeah, liber libertarian, you, if you're going to be socially libertine, you sure as fuck need to be economically libertarian as well. Because uh, if you're just all, you just allow anything goes socially, and yet you and then you pay for it, <laughs> then yeah, you're guaranteed decline, you're de guaranteed oh, yeah. collapse. So yeah. you, I mean... But that's what happens is we, we they say, oh, well, you can do whatever you want as long as you pay for it. Well, guess what? They never pay for it. They always right, exactly. because you have because you have a government in place in a libertarian society. Sure, you would they would bear the cost. We don't live in one. So right. every time when somebody says in a libertarian society, it's, it's just like ignore everything you're about to hear, because what you should be saying is in our current modern state, this is what we should be doing and you know, and whenever I try to bring that up with people, this is why, I, even though I describe myself in, in, in philosophically as libertarian, I share a lot of the frustrations that John's been voicing and, and also Cappy. Like they, a lot of these people just, it's almost, again, going back to what we were saying at the beginning of the episode, they're trolling. I, I doubt how many right. of these people are sincere because it's all, here's the thing about libertarianism. They're not in power. They're never going to be in power. So they never have to actually think they never have to take what they're advocating seriously. It's the same thing with the debate over whether it, it's libertarian to vote or not. They can have that discussion because there's not enough of them for them to actually matter in an election. Because I promise you, if they were going to determine who is going to be running the country, they would probably have take that vote a lot more seriously. But they don't because there's only a couple thousand of them. So it's like, or, or you know, maybe a million of them in a country where hundreds of millions of people are voting. So, you know, they can afford to do that as opposed to somebody who's actually given power uh, or has the ability to change the outcome of the country, they would be a little bit more sober-minded. Okay, well, I'm glad we had libertarian talk. <laughs> well, well, can I, I just want to like, uh, chime in on the last part. Uh, go ahead, John. No, I, I would say ultimately like my philosophy comes down, and I've said this a million times in a million different uh, live streams, is ultimately I'm a tribalist. because, And the reason is, right. is because it, it ultimately it it's – reverts to what natural law is and you and Aaron even talked about this very beginning about what we are evolved to be you know you have you know how many you know hundreds of thousands of years of evolution that made made that what we are now you could say that's good or it's bad or whatever but that is the reality that we live in we are tribal now and you when you try to force these other constraints fighting tribalism ultimately it will not work because it it's goes against reality. Yes, I'm I'm aware of the reality principle. Yes. Yeah, so that's so I'm a tribalist. I've ultimately I always have been and uh I don't know and I, I encourage those listening to um you know research tribalism and the importance of it. And join Jack Donovan's cult of the forests of Oregon. No, it was a. I actually would recommend people read Becoming a Barbarian. I was literally just reading that book this week when I was thinking about all the stuff that we were just talking about. Oh, Jack. Jack's a great writer. Jack's got. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one? The Way of Men is also a must. Yeah. yeah. A must. Way of men is all right. Here's what I wanted the lesson to be. 18 <laughs> hours later, aside from the fact I don't like kids committing suicide and I don't want kids getting raped, aside from those two. Hugely unpopular, bold, courageous, brave stances that I just took there. <laughs> the other thing is, I had a client today whose kid is being brainwashed by the leftist schools. 
um, and divorce and all these other complicated matters. And he's facing the problem with this 12-year-old kid of his, who he obviously loves. He wants his kid to grow up to be successful. But the schools now have this kid convinced that there's global warming and Trump is a jerk and everything should be free. Uh, the mom, not maliciously, but just because of the nature of mothers, she you know, spoils him and spends money on him. He doesn't have a job, the, doesn't really do chores, all this, all this other stuff. So the, the client is very worried about his dad. I'm sorry, about his, about his son. And the problem that the dad faced is he can't convince his son. He can't just go in there with this simple statement, your teachers have an agenda. Your teachers don't care about you. Your teachers care about themselves. And I wanted to use this article in the, in the outside chance that this kid might be listening, or for any of you younger brothers and sisters out there, whether you're in college, whether you're in high school, whether you're listening in middle school, even though you shouldn't be, whether you're fresh out of college and you still think, oh, maybe my teachers are great. Most teachers do not care about you. That is the truth. I'll stand by that. Half of them have contempt. Some even outright hate you. And the same would be applied to your professors. Your teachers, kindergarten through college, are not your fucking friend, and more often than not, they're your fucking enemy. And this sick fucking shit, where they're going to worship and bow down at a, at a, at a religion of, pop, of politics, this variant happening to be non-binary genders at such a young age, should prove it to you, that, or at least put it in your mind, that not all teachers are lovey-dovey, touchy-feely. And when they act lovey-dovey and touchy-feely, that is not who they deep down are inside. And I know some people have more positive opinions on teachers than I do. I've never been abused or raped or touched by a teacher. I just had to deal with all of them. And as you see who goes into education, what they're advocating now, how the public schools have become an absolute joke, and how the fucking colleges have become insane asylums where you can't think and Nazism and, and genuine communism and actual fascism where you don't have the freedom of speech is now being uh, uh, promoted. You, you, you young people out there really got to think long and hard about who's your friends. The people trying to kiss your ass and suck your dick, <laughs> both perhaps metaphorically and literally – or the people telling you something you don't want to hear because they actually care about your long-term health and benefits and success. And that's all I wanted this, this article, aside to point out who was at fault, and there's many failings among family and, and leftist politics, but to maybe wake kids up, whatever their age, and realize that your teachers aren't your friends. They're not. And that's it. That was my... A little soapbox. All right, well, I got a uh, super chat. Uh, Kevin says in the super chat, most Republicans support Medicare for all. Thoughts? I don't know. Do they? Was there? A, did they do a survey? I don't know if he means uh, like elected Republicans, or you just mean re people who vote Republican. Kevin, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, you, you might have to clarify that. He only had a Don and on chat, so he was limited by how many characters. Are you playing with some coins or something metallic? No, that's not me. You're getting that from someone else. All right. Uh, I think it's you, John. Is the microphone close to you? Do you have a beard or something? Or? Oh, yeah, I do. It's clicking. I have a goatee. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, oh, go ahead, John. Now it's, now it's probably better. Um, yeah, so uh, Medicare for all, I don't, I don't know if that's really true, that most Republicans support that. I didn't hear that. Um, that's single payer, basically. I don't think yeah, that's true. I, that's, I, I don't know. Uh, that's not going to work. I mean, to be honest, though, like the whole idea of I mean, if you looked at Germany, like Germany, like uh, up until, let's say, 1990, 
um, before the unification uh, with uh, uh, Eastern Germany, um, they had socialized medicine and it worked, not necessarily because socialized medicine is, um, uh, and Kevin's just said another super chat of a dollar nine. Thank you, Kevin, for the donation. Uh, he said, new, new polls show this. Okay, perhaps they do. Um, I'll look it up. But uh, the, the, uh, yeah, yeah, look, Google that if you can. Um, the reason that it worked is because uh, Germany was a homogeneous society where they shared the same language, they shared the same culture, they shared the same history. And this goes back to my whole argument about tribalism, where a lot of things that can work in a, in a, a, a tribalistic society, where when you have all these things in common, where you share the same history, you share the same stories, you share the same uh, uh, mythos, there's things that can work as opposed to you have a society like, well, like the United States where you have many nations inside one state and it's not going to work. There is no, uh, there is no one pure tribe. Now, eventually over, well, now we're all fucked up because we got the oldest third world invasion, but eventually, uh, because you, you can have a tribe that will, will uh, coalesce of many different tribes. I mean, that's, if you study the Indo-European migration slash invasions, you'll see that, that that's what happened. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the history of that, but that's why the Germans were able to be so effective where they had, you know, total first where, excuse me, first world uh, Medicare system, yet it was socialist, but it worked. Now, does it work? No, of course not, because you pumped in of several million uh, third worlders in there and now it's falling apart. Right. It's anyway, funny. to get to the right. answer so, to the question, I'm going to speculate it's a poll, not all Republicans. Uh, and I've I'm got the answer here. What's the you. answer? Please give it uh, a yeah, It's uh, just in the last day, a poll came out. Uh, it says, according to a new Reuters poll, all right, that 70% of Americans support a Medicare for all program, and it includes uh, 84% of Democrats and 52% of Republicans. And I think, I think this is. <laughs> This is the move, man. This is why they are banning people online. This is why they are getting conservatives and people like us to not be able to talk to each other, to shadow ban us or to whatever, is so they can put this fucking bullshit out where people don't understand what fucking Medicare for all even means. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll, that's fine. And it's single payer. So they're going to use this now to push single payer. This is, this is all... I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but I think that's what this is. is this a, is the first signs perfectly... of people getting banned, and then they're going to put this shit out there and just push it, push it, push it. And we don't even know if this fucking Reuters poll is even accurate. All right. But, what is the name of the person who donated the Super Chat and had a question? Uh, the name is uh, Kevin Ma- uh, McComer. I don't know how to pronounce Kevin. it. But... Okay. Kevin, it's a poorly worded poll put out by Reuters with a political purpose to say, oh, Medicare for all, it sounds very nice, very euphemistic, so they could show a bullshit statistic showing that, oh, look, 70% of Americans are in favor of Medicare for all. But if you a- asked it, do you want to pay more taxes so lazy people who don't work? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that is that's, the answer. That is the answer. And they would, you'd get a completely different percentage. So, but uh, I guess the, the problem is, is that that's, not how people vote and that's not how anybody thinks about it but it's funny uh you were mentioned uh other countries where they have these kind of systems um the problem also with america is we're so fractured in terms of just that the moment you set up 
any system, you're going to have an enormous section of the population that is going to go look for the loopholes and how to extract as much as out of that system as possible without putting anything in. Um, I had a friend who's got relatives from a Nordic country and from back in the day. And they had a, I think there was, they had a welfare system and they paid a lot in taxes, but there was this almost shame culture for anybody who, who drew money out of the welfare system. So there was this idea that you do not take money unless you actually need it. Cause that's for people there. Um, so th- it, I guess, kept the system sustainable a lot longer than it w- ever would in the United States. But the all, other well, problem- Well, because there was a sense of collectivism. Right. Like they, they, they were worried about how other people viewed them because they saw themselves as part of, and I'll go back to the same word, the same tribe. Right. And the, the problem with it also, you know, people were always like, well, look at Nordic countries. Well, okay, look at the population we're talking about. We're talking about people, like in Iceland, half the, the, the nation showed up to the, their airport to celebrate their like rugby team. It was like half the nation showed up. All six of them. We, we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't fit half of Seattle at SeaTac. So, you know, the, the, you're talking about these mo- very small populations and yes, also let's add uh, homogenous. I mean, look at Iceland. Iceland is um, one of the most homogenous nations and it, like literally unchanged uh, within this, within internally over thousands of years like they are just oh, 1000 years yeah yeah they're the same people who were there back during the time of beowulf so a little bit different from a nation where there's no continuity between anybody in the same area but it's going what's going to end up happening is it's going to be used it, the the in our country to transfer wealth from uh to help pay for stuff as as our country our country becomes more and more in debt to cover it up kind of like with social security and like and medicaid and medicare and all this other stuff they're going to find ways to draw money um from the private sector in order to keep these things propped up there's all right okay okay let me advance this and accelerate this before we lose more of our audience you mean parasites from other cultures are going to steal our shit if we let them i'm saying that people here in the country right now will do it too right right yes it's a scramble for like anybody who doesn't take is going to lose. Guess right. who jumped all over this poll in the article? I'm going to guess Huffington Post or some leftist. No, which movie. which politician jumped all over this poll? Uh, the the teeth and and eyes. Uh, she, she and her and her uh, wise uh, Jedi master. Who would that be? Bernie. Bernie Sanders. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you guys know how easily predictable and boring this all is, right? <laughs> it's, 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 good, it's good to know. It's good to know and be prepared for the day when um, the government will then start uh, taking away your – or denying you health care coverage because they're going to start looking at your politics. They're going to look at what you're going to look at the color of your skin. Well, I'm saying that the, like you need a kidney or you need something or whatever and you got to go through the government – I promise you they're going to have people looking at your background and say, do we really want to give this guy, he's a political dissident. No, we're going to mm-hmm. give it to somebody whose politics are more appropriate um, and all this other stuff. Like, and it's by not the way, be, let's harvest his organs and well, give it's, it to It's not him. even going to be official. This is like, it's the same way with the IRS investigating uh, political dissidents and, and auditing them and, and basically giving it. Yeah, what was her name? Lerner, the, the IRS uh, under Obama. Lerner was the last name, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to see the same thing with the healthcare healthcare system. So I guess the point is not talking about this as if it's a shock to anybody, but saying uh, be aware and and take the precautions, like figure out a way to prevent this possibility. Like if this was to become a reality, you know, 
you don't want to wait until that happens before you do something about it. I All guarantee right. we'll, this we'll stuff's going to be shoved in our face.